welcome to this episode of the Horror Drafts Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brantley Palmer, joined as always by my fellow co-host, Mr. Nicholas Schwartz. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, Brantley. How are you? I'm all right, man. I'm doing good. I'm I'm so glad we could do this because it's been It's been ages. a long time. Yes. <laughs> yep. It's been too long. It has. Uh, but we're back, and it's uh, just a hostful episode, just Nick and I today, because we are here to talk the best horror films of 2023. And I'm excited because I think our best of 2022 was a really fun episode. And I think yeah. this is going to be a fun episode too. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. I'm excited. You want to get right into it, Nick? I'm ready to launch right in. Yeah. All right. So in case people don't remember, uh, what we did last year was instead of doing a draft, we are going to be ranking our top 10 horror films of this past year, 2023. After we do our rankings, and by the way, when we do our rankings, we're going to try to be as good about spoilers as we can so we don't ruin anything for anybody. But after that, we'll discuss our awards that we're going to hand out for the 2023 Year in Horror. That, you know, the award segment is probably going to get into some spoiler territory just by the nature of some of the awards right off the bat. So if you don't want to have a movie spoiled for you, uh, you know, maybe either don't listen or just skip ahead when you hear what we're going to be talking about in the awards <laughs> section. But the first half of this uh, should be uh, relatively spoiler free. And um, Nick, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it right over to you uh, oh, as okay. we get into our as we get into our rankings here with your um, number ten of the year. But actually, I guess before we even get into that, is, do you want to talk about this year at all? Should we discuss it at all, or do you think we should just get right into the rankings? I'm I'm good to I mean yeah we we were kind of you know we've we've sort of talked a little bit before recording started yeah. about our feelings of uh about horror films in 2023 um so yeah we could, we could definitely touch upon that and I also wanted to preface this by saying that there were two notable omissions in what I was able to mm. view mm -hmm. um so by no means do I think that this is you know I mean you know, thousands of movies came out last year, the, yeah. the, and I'm sure most of them were garbage, but I'm sure I missed some really good horror films. Um, mm -hmm. And there are two that were definitely on my list to see, and I just did not get around to them before recording. So, okay. um, yeah, so... Do you want to share what those were, or maybe yeah, share, I that, share. say that for the end of the episode? Uh, well, no, I, so I didn't see Scream 6 yet, um, which is oh. a big one, and I didn't see Megan um, were both on my ah. list, and I know those were like two of the bigger movies that came out, um, certainly box office wise that um that I, I did not get her and um and both are like high on my list because obviously i love the scream movies and um i loved uh i can't think of the guy's name but um the director of megan's movie housebound we've talked about on the show oh yeah um, yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. I've, I've been dying to see that so um i will get around to them but in case anyone's like wondering why scream six is not on my list it's because i haven't seen it not because it's bad gotcha <laughs> though it could be bad i haven't seen it so it might be terrible we'll see who knows? We'll find knows? out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you'll know once you watch it, because you'll see yeah. if it vibes with you or not. Uh, it's definitely, I feel like, a more polarizing Scream film than number five was. Some people okay, were into it, heard. or some were not. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's the third, every third movie in the Scream franchise has to be polarizing. So three and six, oh, very fair. polarizing, right? So I guess yep. that I guess that fits their pattern. So. Yeah, that's okay. It's not that's not a bad record, really. No, it's really not. And, and polarizing doesn't mean bad. Just no. you know, <laughs> some are really big fans and some aren't. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, that's good to know. I mean, I would say of the 
of the big horror movies, the only one, the only big horror movie I didn't get a chance to watch was The Last Voyage of the Demeter. I feel like, oh, which I, I would classify either. as fairly big. Maybe not like you know, not Scream Six big, but like a you know, a fairly big movie. It was definitely big. it got a wide opening as well. Um, yeah, yeah, like yeah, was, yeah, yeah. So exactly, and there were other ones which we'll talk about at the end because I have honorable mentions and I I also have a list of just ones Same. that wasn't able to watch both for yeah. time and sometimes just because they literally were not available in this country. Like there's oh. a there's a Canadian horror film called Red Rooms that I'd heard great things about and I wanted to watch. It's just literally not available in the U.S., so I wasn't able to watch it. Oh, um, crazy! Okay. Yeah, which I mean, there's another Canadian movie I really want to see called I Like Movies or I Love Movies. I forget if it's I Like or I Love, which is um, also just not available in the U.S. yet. Like it's on it's on Netflix in Canada, but it's just not available here yet. Um, oh, interesting. It's like set in 2002. It's about a kid who starts working at a video store, and it's called. Um, I like or I love movies. I forget which one. Oh, I have not heard about that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Feels very much like it could be Brantley Palmer, the movie. So I wanted I was, to like <laughs> check it out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 2002 is when I started working in video stores too. So. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's get into it though then. Okay. Right, how about I'll throw it to you and you can tell us your number 10 uh, movie on your, um, on your list for the year. Okay. Oh, one more thing that we should clear up because I meant to ask sure. you in advance. Um, are we doing what I think we did last year, which was like um, the 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 first date, like in terms of what year it came out. It's like the first date that normal people outside yes. of film festivals would have been able to view it in this country. Yes. that I think okay. that's a good thing to bring up because this is uh, probably going to come up with some of these films. Yeah. We tend to go by wide release. Okay. Movie dates get have been gotten like weird and trickier, it feels like lately, because that movie will go to festivals in twenty twenty two and they'll be listed as a twenty twenty two movie, even though it didn't get released to the general public until twenty twenty three. I think that was the case not Megan, that was uh, the case with like some other um like movies on here. Actually it'll be the case for, for many of them, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a but, lot. Yeah. Yeah. But we go by one it was officially distributed to the public, not just available at a film festival for a select few who were able to see it there, etc. We go by like wide distribution, whether that's physical media, VOD, a streaming service, you name it. Of it okay. widely available to the public. So yes, that's that's the way we are um tackling it and there will be a number of films that, that fall under that yeah there will for sure <laughs> um yeah no the reason i ask is because my number 10 falls under that um sure it's i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher the name because it's cornish it's um ennisman oh yes what yep i saw that you had rated that on letterbox so i'm curious yes. do you know how to pronounce it <laughs> good question i thought it was just ennisman that's how oh, I thought it was too. Okay. But I'm not sure. I think sure. it just means Rocky Island. I looked that up. I believe it's I in Cornish. So. It means Rocky Island. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is um, that is my number ten. Um, I think I, I, I could have ranked it higher. Brantley and I were talking before the podcast about where movies fell in our top ten and why and how arbitrary it was and could they have been switched around and and this one could have been. Um, I think I ranked it 10 just because I, this movie is clearly not for everyone. Yeah. Um, and I know this is my personal top 10, but like, it's just, I, I'm going to put it on the, on the edge of my top movies of the year because it, it, it's a, it's a truly experimental um, horror film and people are either going to be really into that or they're going to hate it mm-hmm. with a passion. Um, yes. <laughs> and, and this uh, was a big year for experimental horror too. 
I Skinamarink, I'm sure is gonna yeah Outwaters. We might talk I about mean, Outwaters. There's, yeah, there's there's a few. Uh, that, that's like three between those two and Ennisman, which I feel like are like fairly well known experimental horror films that got like pretty good releases, and that's yeah. kind of crazy when you talk experimental. What other genre is experimental films uh, is an experimental version of that getting like big releases except the horror genre? That's a really good point. Yeah. And why is that? I mean, I'm, that's a whole other discussion to have. Like, what what is it about? Um, I mean, Ennisman did not get a wide release, but it was released no. theatrically here, I think, a little bit. And then, yeah. obviously, it was on streaming um, shortly yes. thereafter on Hulu yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, yeah, I mean, it got a lot of press. It was released. I mean, overseas, it got bigger releases, too. So, um, what is it about? Because this is not... I think you're, it's a really great point. If this was any other genre, a movie like this would not, I mean, it's, yeah, it's like an art house, it's an art house horror film. Um, yeah. But even not more in the than sense that like, house. yeah, yeah more, more than, no, no, I was going to say, I mean, I think people think like, oh, elevated horror when you say mm-hmm. art house horror, like, oh, it's an A24 movie. No, no, no. Yeah. This is true art house horror. Yes. Um, like legit experimental. It is nonlinear. You never know if you're what you're watching is happening right after the scene before it or at some other point in time. I mean, yeah, exactly. it's all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I the reason I saw it, um, I mean, it was on my list, but it, I, I don't know if I would have gotten to it in time. But what really propelled it is I read a few reviews comparing it to The Shining, um, yeah. <laughs> um, which which I, I I can see the comparisons on. A very shallow level in that mm-hmm. it's about you know someone maybe going crazy by themselves like in an isolated location but that's kind of where the similarities end at that and um it's got it takes place in the 70s and it has a very 70s aesthetic like yeah. it looks like it was shot in the 70s which is amazing by the way um loved that yeah shot on 16 millimeter 16 yep. millimeter yeah mm-hmm. and um yeah it's i mean the grain and like and it's uh four three which is mm-hmm. um it's it's just a very cool movie um, to look at. Uh, I, it's not particularly like I. There's a lot to think about. Um, I don't know that I 100% get it. I don't think there's anything necessarily even to 100% get. I really do yeah. think it's ex- experimental. I don't think there's any. Um, but that being said, um, I mean there's a lot of like haunting imagery, but nothing that truly scared me. But it is clearly a horror film. It's a psychological horror film. Yeah. Um, and what really elevated it for me was was um, was how beautiful it was to look at. Um, mm. It's um, it's very it's very static. Um, I would compare it to Skinamarink in that sense. I think those are two movies um, that I, I drew a lot of comparisons between them. Um, but uh, it's a very still movie. Um, there's like a few very slow '70s zooms, but outside of that. Um, it's a lot of just locked down, um, shots on sticks and, uh, but the compositions are, are truly beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful location, this Island and the, the compositions are just really interesting to look at. Um, and which, which is, you know, great for an experimental horror film. I think you really like, you sit on a lot of these compositions for a long time. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they're just beautifully framed, um, there's a lot of like really jarring cuts between like really wide landscape shots and like really extreme close-ups, mm-hmm. um, and um, it, it just it, it, something about it is it, it'll keep you. It's very weird. It's very dreamlike, um, and uh, and I just I found it just like 
as slow as it is and as much as i think people will hate that um i was just so transfixed by how beautiful it was to watch that it kept me pretty glued to the screen um so that's that's what i can say about Smith. yeah it it is captivating in its visuals absolutely and and i honestly i would have probably rated it higher had i seen it in the theater i feel like i feel like that's really like the place to watch that movie um Mm -hmm. Less so than like the other experimental films in like The Outwaters and Skinnamarink. I think Skinnamarink sometimes actually plays better when you're in your house in the dark when you're watching it in a way because you're kind of put in the position of the the, the people in the, in the film if you're watching that say late at night or something. Yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, I agree. This is such like a visually captivating film that I feel like it would have been even all the more engrossing and just you know visually. Uh, resplendent I guess if you were if you were in the theater watching it absolutely yeah. um, I, I think my issue with that is because I agree that it is captivating in that way I just I, I don't think there was enough there to like you know hold it together as like you know uh, uh, um, and I don't even want to say story wise that's not the point you know I mean it's just like I guess it's tough I want to say I wanted more out of it but then it's like well you can't write a movie like that you got to write a movie for what it is you know you can't no write it for I wanted more not, too you know? I mean that's that's why people are going to hate this I mean yeah yeah I but definitely it, I, wanted more it'll be polarizing in that way because some people will just be like oh I loved it because it was just so like haunting and dreamlike and captivating and I didn't I don't care that it doesn't have like a ton of story to it really and others will be like, what is this? Like, why <laughs> what is this like silly, yeah. you know, story structure and whatever and blah, blah, blah. But I think um, I agree with you that like, I, I don't think there's anything to get except what you get out of it. I think the filmmaker, if you were to ask the filmmaker, they'd probably be like, I don't know. What did you get out of it? Because like, exactly. you know, they're not going to like try to answer it for you. Um, so I think everyone's going to kind of go in with their own thoughts and, and come away from it with their own kind of feelings and readings of the movie and and that's kind of like a a pretty cool thing actually i think a lot of movies are giving you specific themes and this one's very much like well what do you take out of it and it's cool in some ways sometimes i think that's kind of a (laughs) cop-out you know some in in art sometimes but uh but i think in this case it it tends to to work because there's so many different readings i think you can you can take from it yeah there was enough there I think to it was almost like straddling the line too much um there was enough of a narrative there like especially the first like 20 minutes starts Mm -hmm. really linearly and it it seems to be building towards something like there is a setup a clear setup the locate the sense of location and why this woman is on this island and you know the very first like three days that you see her on the island are very clearly but then like half an hour kind of pulls the rug out um, mm. and things start getting very, very, very art housey, and um, and I can see, you know, there was a setup there for like a truly awesome psychological shining s car movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of me wanted that. The other part of me really appreciated what wound up happening. Um, yeah. But um, that's again, I just I think even more so than like a typical art house movie where like you 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 know what you're getting into five minutes in. I think people who start this movie and get about 25 minutes into it are going to be really pissed off when things start unraveling and not making sense anymore. Yes. (laughs) Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I really liked it um, nice. for what it was. Uh, so, yep, that's my number 10. Sorry, we've talked about it for a long time. And no, I don't know that's, what yours is. that's fine. And, and I hope... I, and here's the thing. We talked about that so much. I still don't think we've spoiled that for anybody. That's true. We talked about the rankings not being very spoiler heavy. I don't think we spoiled that at all. Like, no. I think anyone who's seen it or is going to watch it from this will be like, yeah, no, that really didn't give anything away. No. And, oh, to your point about seeing it in the theater, I just will say, if anyone listening to this hasn't seen it and wants to, um, the mistake I made was, I, I'm not sure if it was actually exclusive to Hulu, but that's where it happens to be streaming and where I saw it. Yeah, that's um, where I watched it. Okay. And, like, I have the ad-supported version of Hulu, oh, and it is not the kind of movie yeah. you want interrupted by ads. Um, yeah. Because you are in this weird dreamlike experimental state, and then it hard cuts to, like, an ad for Progressive or something, <laughs> and that really kills it. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, props to this movie for making my list even more for that reason. It was yeah, uh, that, not an ideal viewing experience. Yeah, that's adding a layer of uh, challenge and difficulty of engaging with a movie when, when that's yeah. going on. Sometimes that works. Like, I don't mind throwing on, like, 80s action movies or whatever on Tubi or something. Oh, you know, totally. if they've got the ads, because I'm like, ah, whatever. You know, yeah. but I could definitely see for a movie like this that that was really not conducive to being engaged <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> yeah, very, very strange experience. Oh, that's, right, that's it for, for me on Ennis Man. All right, awesome. Well, um, so I'll give you my 10. And you know what? I don't think we mentioned it, Nick, but I think what we'll do is like if if either of us says a movie and it's on the other person's list higher up, we'll kind of wait to discuss it until we get to the other person's That's what we did last higher. year, yeah. Yeah, yep. I think that's what we did last year. So, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. So um, my number 10 is uh, Totally Killer. I don't know if you have that on, on your list. list at all. Nope. No? Okay. Also, okay, okay so there were mo- more than two movies that I missed this year. I still have not seen that. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I, there's tons of yeah tons of horror movies I missed, I'm sure. But um, this was uh this came out on Amazon Prime. Uh, this is a horror comedy, and to give folks an idea of how different this year is to last year, I don't think I had any horror comedies on my list, or maybe not even in my honorable mentions last year. I have two horror comedies on my <laughs> list that made my top ten this year. Um, and this one was uh, this one's very fun. I think this like barely slips on the list. I could totally see it also not being on my list if I was just in a different mood when I made it and putting something from my honorable mentions on or whatever. Uh, but this was like basically um, how to describe it. I guess it's sort of like uh, Back to the Future slash Groundhog's Day as a slasher. Um, it revolves around a, a teenage girl her mom is super protective because her mom in the eighties survived a slasher killer who um, the mom has always been worried is basically going to come back and harm her or her family. And through a series of technological science based mishaps, this teenage girl gets sent back into the 1980s the day before the killer attacks or something to that degree, basically. And then the rest of the story ensues. It's a lot of fish out of water, funny humor because we know what's going on from the 80s with the benefit of hindsight kind of jokes of that you know sort basically um there wasn't anything particularly surprising i think about the movie i think you kind of have a sense for where it's going all the way through i will say the final reveal because of the way the time and thing works and everything the changes and who the killer is and everything is kind of interesting and um i didn't specifically see who it was um so that was like a slight surprise for me 
Um, and I'm kind of surprised. I'm like, oh, I guess I should have known that. But maybe I was just having too much fun with the movie and it wasn't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> trying to read too much into who the killer was or whatever. Um, so this is written by, I guess I should give some of the credits. This is written by David Madelon, Sasha Pearl Raver, and Jen D'Angelo. And then it was directed by Nanachka Khan, who I'm sure people know as like, the showrunner for like orange is the new black and and other tv shows and everything um yeah so if you want like kind of like a fun silly horror comedy um totally killer um would probably fit that bill for you nice yeah yeah i heard some really good things about it from some big back to the future fans um oh nice (laughs) so yeah i'm interested nice yeah it's it's fun it's on prime if you if folks have it and they want to check it out or i'm sure it's on every other vod um thing if you want to do it that way but yeah there you go that's my number 10 uh nick back to you for number nine sir okay number nine um number nine is uh eli roth's thanksgiving nice uh, didn't quite make my list but it's okay. in my honorable mentions it was that's a i could have totally seen that slotted in at 10 that was <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, it made my list, I think, just because it was so much better than I expected it would be. Um, mm. It was just a great time at the movies. I mean, we saw it opening night, and it had been a nice. while since I saw a horror movie in the theaters. Um, and it was, a, it was it's, it's a crowd pleaser. It's a movie you see with an audience, and I, I think that also, if we're talking about experiences watching movies, um, I had a terrible one with Ennisman, and I had... A uh, great one with Thanksgiving, seeing it with like a, a crowd that was super into it. Um, and I haven't seen it since, and I, I don't really have much desire to see it again. And I mm-hmm. feel like if I did at this point, um, the experience would really, would really kill it for me compared to. Um, but it made my list because um, I, Eli Roth is is not he's. I appreciate everything that he's done for horror. I just haven't found myself liking many of his movies. Um, I loved Cabin Fever, and since then it's been really hit or miss. Um, and uh, and I had very, very low expectations for this movie. Um, as great as the uh, Grindhouse trailer was, it really felt like it should be left at that. But I was wrong, and I was happy to be proven wrong. It's just a fun slasher. It was not the... Man, the hype in the days leading up to this about how this was like the 80s slasher revival was like oh. this movie like every yeah, yeah this yeah. movie was going to be responsible for you know the real <laughs> slasher revival and slashers are finally going to be back like the way that we remember them from the 80s and yeah that was the hyperbole behind some of those quotes um you know it is it it feel it does feel like that, but it also feels like it's a very modern story, full of like social media and um, you know Black Friday. Um, yes. You know mobs at the store. It's like it doesn't feel. There's so much of it that doesn't feel 80s. Um, yes. Not just in terms of setting, but like it's so you know, especially compared to the trailer, it's so slickly shot, um, and like, yeah, it, it's like so crystal clear and stuff. There's just. I don't know. It, I I didn't. I was disappointed uh, that it didn't feel more like, you know, a hey, uh, heyday slasher film. But um, yeah. Well, it's funny because you, it, to me, it, it was it, it has far less to do with like '80s slashers as it does like Scream, 
because this is very much like a whodunit in the way yes. that Scream is. So yes, like we have a new masked killer, you know, the the, the pilgrim character or whatever, but um but it's not like you don't know that it's Michael Myers the whole time. You don't know that it's Jason Voorhees the whole time or Freddy Krueger the whole time like we do with like so many of these like classic 80s slashers. It's more like Scream where it's like, oh, who's the ghost face in this one? Who's the pilgrim? You right. know, who's doing all this? And it sets up all of these characters who could be the killer and you would buy into it and they would have reason to be basically. Um, it's funny because you, you – you were saying you were going in with low expectations. I think I went in with higher expectations because I didn't watch it until VOD and after it had dropped from like the $20 VOD down to like the $5.99 VOD. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, because I was like, I just don't want to pay $20 to rent something at my house. You know what I mean? Like, uh, definitely not. Yeah. yeah. Like when going to the theater is like $8 or less, you know, it's like I'd, I would make the time to do that. So, um, and I think by that time, enough people had seen it and really been like, wow, this was actually like really good that I was like, oh, like I think my expectations had just risen to a point where I was expecting it to be more than it was maybe in a, in, in a sense. And, and that's on me, I guess, because that's my own preconceived notions coming into the film. But I think it was like a, a lower range scream film basically you know I, I hate to keep comparing it to scream it's really no, not a really fair to thanksgiving comparison. but totally. you know it's it'd be like the bottom half of the scream franchise for me which is still pretty good because scream's a good friggin franchise oh, yeah. um but you know didn't quite make my didn't quite make my top 10 this year but yeah. this 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 was on the cusp of like one or two other movies as possibly taking that final top 10 spot for me so okay. yeah, yeah, I think nine is a very apt spot to have it on a list for this year. And this year, like we've said, is just like I have like for me, there's like one movie that's like definitely at the top, and then there's like a lot of other two and three. I think actually were pretty solidified, but then there's a lot of yeah. other movies where I could like I could shuffle these in almost oh, yeah. any order basically, and not be that upset about one being above the others basically. For sure, yeah, yeah, yep. awesome. All right. Well, that's Thanksgiving. Right. Yep. Uh, at number nine, my number nine, I know, is not on your list because you mentioned that uh, you didn't get a chance to see it, and that is Scream Six. Okay. Um, All speaking right. of the Scream franchise, and this again, talking about how different this year in horror was than last year. Last year, the fifth Scream, mm. Scream twenty twenty two, did not make my list. I like that Scream more than I like Scream Six. Scream 6 has made my list for this year, right? Okay. So this is very, very interesting <laughs> year <laughs> in horror, let's say. Um, I think there was a lot of... Uh, so I don't remember if we had talked about this on the podcast before, if I spoke about it somewhere else, but I think Scream 6 is a movie with like high highs and low lows. And like the, the good stuff in it is great. But the bad stuff in it is like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and I, overall, I think it's still like a pretty good horror movie. Um, you really have to, you really have to suspend the disbelief for some of the stuff that happens in it. There's just some kind of very unbelievable things that happen in this movie, particularly in the finale. But um, and I'm sorry, I, maybe that's too much of a spoiler. Maybe I should no. cut that out. No, not at um, all. <laughs> It, you know, but there's some great stuff in it. I mean, like you get why they wanted to set it in New York, right? In this, in the, in a more, um, 
densely packed city than Los Angeles was in three because LA is very sprawling, right? Like, you know, you can film stuff there and it's, it's not going to feel like you're just on top of each other, like, uh, and claustrophobic in a way that New York does. Mm, like, yeah. um, when I go to New York, sometimes I just, I feel, well, a overwhelmed cause I grew up rural, but like B like, it's just, you feel like these, you just, everything's on top of each other and you just, it has this kind of claustrophobic feel to it. And this film, I think kind of like, gets into that in some ways, you know, like when they're just trying to like escape the bodega and then Ghostface is in there using a shotgun, which is in the trailer. So I'm not giving anything no, away. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, it's just like, Oh yeah. Like F like, how are they going to get out of this? You know, it's, it's not like a farmhouse in the country in California where like you can maybe get out the door and make a run for it. You know, it's like, maybe there's a back door in this bodega you can get through, but then <clears throat> Ghostface knows exactly where you're going and then you're trapped in an alley. Right. You know, there's just like, there's these other these these elements to it that I think worked really well in some ways for the setting of this, and then some of the other things are just a little too, little too much to believe in some cases. I feel like so. This is the lower half scream franchise for me, but um, still made my list for top ten <laughs> of the year for 2023. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> no, that actually yeah. makes me want to see it more. Um, okay. Yeah, you used the word polarizing when we were talking about this earlier, and um, yeah, and I've certainly spoken to a lot of people who um, who have seen this movie, and yeah, polarizing is is the the reaction that I've that I've seen. Um, mm. Some people really hated it, and these are people that yeah. really love this franchise. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm I'm I, it's fun because I have no idea what I'm getting into. I'm excited <laughs> to see it, but yeah, you know what? This is there was something about this year that um, maybe I guess if I had to find a theme in horror films this year, it was um, things being overdone um, mm. being used in marketing and, and also in the movies themselves. And I was so turned off by this trailer, um, mm. the subway scene in the trailer, which again, I don't, I haven't seen the movie. I don't know if it's in there, but we're like, you know, everyone's wearing a ghost face mask or whatever. And you're in this type feel like that's been done a lot lately um obviously sure. not with ghostface specifically but um and it's great that's a super tense awesome premise but like having seen it a bunch of times and that being relied upon so much for the trailer yeah i mean especially with scream which is like a franchise that i really want to keep me on my toes i'm like well i've, I've seen this i want to <laughs> you know so that's a bad read but there's um there's a few other things that I'm sure we'll get to when we get to some of these other movies that um, that have been very thoroughly played out in horror, um, yeah. which is one of the things I think was most disappointing about this year um, mm -hmm. was originality. Yeah, I I agree. O overall, overall, I think there's some bright spots, but yes, overall, I think that's that's an accurate statement for sure. I think last year, especially when I looked at my like before we did this, I looked at my top ten from last year, and and even when we did that episode, I remember being like, you know, yeah, like Scream didn't make my list because like there was all these kind of like fun, inventive little movies that like I feel like were kind of almost more deserving of it, like mm, like yeah. um, what was it called, like Sissy or whatever it was, like that the one that was on Shutter or whatever. Yeah. It was kind of like an influencer horror type of vibe, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like I, you know, this is kind of fun. Like I, you know. Uh, and I wanted to kind of reward that. There's there was less of that this year for me to really yeah. climb onto. I feel like not that there weren't some great like indie horror films. I just 
think they weren't maybe at the level as some of the ones from last year that made me want to put them in the top 10. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fair. That sounds. Yeah. Um, All right. Cool. Well, I think, yeah, I think you're up now with your, uh, your number eight, sir. Okay. My number eight, this is a movie I did never would have expected going into 2023 would have made my top 10, but I'm going with saw 10. Um, oh, there you go. That's the big one I haven't seen yet. So oh, okay. So I won't say much about it except that um, we are 10 movies into this franchise and it has no right to be as really. I mean, I, I'm going to use the word good. It just is good. Yeah. It was a good movie. Um, now, your mileage is going to vary. If you hate the Saw movies and you don't like torture porn, you will hate this. I personally don't like torture porn. I mm-hmm. find it not scary, and I find it a little bit manipulative and, and um, provocative for the sake of being provocative. That sure. being said, of all of the series, like, you know, I hated Hostel, speaking of Eli Roth. I hated those movies. I hated them. Um, but I will see any movie. I, I don't care if it's torture porn or not. I will watch it. But Saw is a unique series because of, I mean, it's just a horror soap opera. Every movie mm-hmm. is so inter- interconnected and like it's so campy in that way that I mean I just I lo- I love the interconnectivity in this series. Like it could be yeah. even the worst movie in this series. Like I saw 7 is just such a piece of shit I can't even start um <laughs> but it's still so much fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um this uh by very smartly making this like a prequel essentially. Um mm. uh is really able to kind of like wipe that slate clean. There's no baggage whatsoever, really. Um, and uh, and it's like a much more intimate story. And it's just like, I, again, I hate to call I like even referencing the story of a Saw movie is absurd, but it was just real. It's just a, it's just a well-executed film. And uh, Kevin Grutert, I don't know how he pronounces his last name, but the, the director who did Saw 7 um, and uh, Saw 6 as well, um, and he was the editor, I believe, on every Saw film. Um, oh, interesting. Or maybe I'm thinking of David Hackle. No, I think he did art, and he directed Saw 5. I think Kevin was the editor on the entire series. Um, oh, cool. And, uh, yeah, and I think, like, he... Seven being the worst in the series, in my opinion, um, there's a lot behind why that movie is so bad that is not his fault. He was supposed to be directing Paranormal Activity 2, I think, and Lionsgate... Oh like pulled something in his contract and basically said, no, um, you're doing saw seven at the last minute. And it, were, it was supposed to be two movies and they condensed it into one. And it was like, that movie was doomed. And I, yeah, I think that it, it's not fair to judge him based on that, based on saw 10. Um, he, he does away with so much of what I think people might hate about this franchise, like the crazy editing, which was actually probably his <laughs> fault in the earlier <laughs> movies, which is funny. Yeah, um, yeah that's like stripped away and it's just uh it's just a simple story um and uh um and it really lets tobin bell shine which is which is cool i mean that movie that whole franchise is really about him and yeah um, yeah yeah. and uh yeah and and this is very much his movie so um yeah i just enjoyed it i had binged all seven movies beforehand just like sorry no all nine (laughs) movies um i'm thinking of the seven main entries in the series but um, oh sure yeah. i watched all nine in a row within like three days of seeing saw 10 and that might have had something to do with my enjoyment of it um wow. again just because they're so connected i just felt like i i want it to be fresh but um yeah like i i don't 
I don't see this working as a standalone film for anyone, but uh, if you're a fan of the Saw movies, I mean, this is pretty much as good as it gets. Gotcha. Well, I think that's why I hadn't watched it, because I was like, I gotta watch six other Saw movies yes. just to, like, get get up to date before I watch Saw 10, and I, and I just, I yeah, I hadn't yet, because I think I've only watched the... I think I've watched the first three or four Saw movies. I haven't. I haven't even gotten past five. I know that. Um, and so I was just like, I can't put in the homework when I've got all this <laughs> other stuff to watch. Which maybe I should have just watched it on its own and not caught up. But that's on me. I, I had actually heard really good things about it. I had heard people saying like it's actually surprisingly good. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, just yeah, just a surprisingly good movie. Not even just a, a good Saw movie. Just a surprisingly good horror movie. Ex- exactly. Yeah. It's. Um... I know, and like Rotten Tomatoes is hardly like there are so many problems with that site, and yeah. that's a whole other discussion. But the fact that it had anything above a fifty, I think it's at like eighty now, still, which is absurd. Wow, yeah, um, that's I mean that's pretty high. Yeah, I, definitely the highest in the entire franchise, including the first one. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, big surprise, big surprise for me. Um, so nice. it just cracked my top ten, but I, I feel like it actually is very worthy of it this year. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great, man. Um, All right. So my number eight. uh, I don't know if you saw this one. This is called Swallowed. Did you watch this? No. um, Okay. Is this one of the 2022 ones that really like? Because I remember seeing a trailer for this like ages ago. This this is one that's listed as 2022, but like actually got released on VOD February 14th, 2023. So it was a Valentine's Day release um, this past year. We're recording this almost on valentine's day <laughs> but right. uh so it was released almost a year ago and this is written and directed by carter smith um who has made a handful of pretty decent horror movies i'd say the ruins is probably the biggest one that he's um done yeah. um for for folks who maybe don't know his name um but he's kind of just quietly slowly been building up i think like a really cool filmography in uh in horror and this one um there's a lot of great things about this one, but uh, it was shot almost exclusively in Maine. So that was kind of fun to That's see cool. this like New England uh, sat horror movie. Uh, the premise of it is that um, these uh, gay lovers, basically one of them is going to be going out to LA to become a porn star, basically. And um, his, his, I don't know if you'd call him boyfriend, but you know, his, his romantic interest wants to, give him a little bit of cash to help get him started out uh on his trip there so he they make a run into canada and then are going to be bringing some drugs down from canada into this u.s back into maine in order to kind of basically be mules um things start to go wrong and they're forced to like swallow these like bags of the drugs where the the one of the guys just thought it was going to be him and it, they end up getting forced to do it both uh and when they get the drugs inside their body they start to realize that these aren't just drugs these are basically like um these bugs that are inside of them and if they get bit by them it's going to be like really bad because they're going to be basically like overdosing on them when it should be just like a much smaller amount you know i mean it's the same premise as like if you (laughs) swallowed a a giant bag of heroin and it like bursts (laughs) inside your stomach but this in this case it's like these bugs that also cause these like issues for you um so it's yeah so it's 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 a pretty small movie but it was very like compelling really great performances really good like character um you know building and and world building for it 
and the kind of uh well i shouldn't say because we're not doing spoilers but there's a a a a famous well uh, famous in the horror realms gay actor who comes in at the end of the movie and hopefully that's not too much of a spoiler but anyway uh yeah and so it becomes kind of like a story of survival basically for for the two of them so uh i don't want to say any more than that because i don't want to spoil anything and i don't want to give too much away i guess but uh i found it compelling i found it fun you're really rooting for the characters uh and rooting for them to get out of the situation uh jenna malone is in it in a small part she works with carter smith a bunch actually it seems like they seem to have like a good working relationship um but yeah there you go swallowed Um, nice nice yeah yeah okay cool um i didn't realize that carter smith like i didn't realize he had done the ruins i guess i forgot about that and i love that movie Um, yeah yeah i'm trying to think um like what else has he done i'm trying to yeah yeah um so he let me me pull it up here because that was 2008 that was a while ago and he does not have like a big filmography i think he's kind of like slowly been building that okay so for that was his first feature film was the ruins and then he didn't make another one until 2014 with jamie marks is dead which i have not seen this no i I actually it's it's listed as a supernatural horror drama so i I don't know like yeah and then eight years after that well no nine years excuse me he made two films by the way that came out in 2023 he made swallowed and he made the passenger so both of those um came out this year so yeah, I don't know what he does in between. Maybe he's script writing. I, I really don't know a ton about him as a person. Um, but um, he did something for television for... Um, oh, he did an episode of Into the Dark. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so he did uh, an episode of that. But other than that, that that's really it in terms of directing. You know, and um, it's kind of surprising that he had two that came out this year... Yeah. considering the fact that he does not like he's not like a super prolific director where he's just like putting out like a horror film a year or anything you know yeah no i was just looking at his page right now on letterboxd and yeah I, that's let's see it's director of 11 films but you said his first one was 2008 the Rubens. that's so. the first feature film feature, i yeah. see listed he does have some shorts that are that are on there as well okay um but i I was just looking at his feature films now maybe there's some feature films that are not sitting on his wiki you know that that letterbox has listed so i i don't know he's also from maine apparently i did not realize that oh he's from bowdoinham maine i don't know if i'm pronouncing that bowdoinham b-o-w-d-o-i-n-h-a-m neither am i but I, uh, you know, being from New Hampshire, I think we, sh- you know, can always give it up to the, to the New England horror filmmakers, you know, oh, Ham, sure. Robert Eggers, you yep. know, let's give it up to them. So there you go. Okay. Swallowed my number eight. I believe we're on your number seven. Very nice. Uh, on to number seven. Yeah. Um, my number seven is uh, David Slade's Dark Harvest. Nice. Um, oh, that was on my list to watch, and I just never got to it. I ju- this is my the, my most recent watch so I mean it's fresh nice. Um, nice. Uh, yeah um, I for several reasons and he's been discussed on the on the show before um, mm-hmm. including when um, Lawrence Connolly was our 
guest because he directed the short that Lawrence wrote um, uh, in um, Nightmare Cinema. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, This Way to Egress. Sorry, I could not think of the name of the the short. Um, But I've liked David Slade ever since, you know, Hard Candy came out. Um, I think he's a, a really... Um, I think he came from music videos, which makes sense because I think visually he's a really like um, creative filmmaker. Um, and uh, and in any case, um, I'd heard kind of mixed things about this. I'd also heard that um, there may have been like a little bit of studio meddling that he wasn't happy about. So I'm not sure that this final product represents exactly what he wanted. Um, yeah. So I was kind of watching it with that in mind and, and, and not knowing, you know, but just like judging it completely objectively not knowing that he was if you didn't know he was involved and you just watched this fresh i think it's just a really fun premise um and um and yeah this is a period piece that takes place in the 60s um another strong aspect i think of this movie is that it actually this isn't like one of those movies where there's a title that says 1960 whatever at the beginning and then that's the last you remember or think about the 60s at all like it's <laughs> yeah, got a very yeah. good sense of place um oh, good. costume design um you know like uh it's, it's a it's like a it's a small town um and you have that small town feel um and a lot of like you know the, the tiny grocery store where everyone knows everyone um the cars uh play a big role and um uh yeah, the downtown movie theater and everything. It feels very um, of its era, I guess. Like, it, it really has a good sense of, of setting. Um, but it's about, uh, like, this small, I think, Midwestern town. Um, and uh, every year on Halloween, this supernatural entity named um, Sawtooth Jack comes from the, from the cornfields and... Um, I'm trying to think of another movie that's similar to this. Uh, there's, there's definitely this premise has been done before, but like basically, um, and this isn't a spoiler, like he's out for one night and the entire town is essentially hunting him every year. And if he uh. makes it to this church by midnight, then the crop yield for this town, which is, you know, a, a town whose entire economy is like based around crops, um, corn, um, will go sour, you know, for years, mm. you know, and it's happened once before. Um, and they had like nine years of, of terrible. And so every year on Halloween, there's a big preparation and then there's this big hunt. And what's interesting about it and what I really thought was, was kind of different about this movie, um, was that there is no build up, There's no, um, you know, the reveal of the, of the main villain and stuff. Like it happens in the very first, scene in the cold open before the credits you know exactly what's happening um there's no mystery it's just like again with that this has nothing to do with the era the 1960s but the sense of place it's like boom you are in this movie and even though it's a completely fantastical premise you buy in immediately like oh okay there's this supernatural thing and the whole town knows about it always everyone's aware Mm -hmm. of it and they band together to kill it every year year after year after year um And there was something interesting about that. I was kind of like refreshing to just be launched into a movie like that, where the whole town is like already aware of the stakes at hand. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you're like, well, okay, so the stakes are the same every year. So where is this movie going to go? Um, and it's a it's a really fun time. Um, so I'd be very curious. Like there, I I definitely felt in a few places where 
there must have been like a significant amount of stuff missing and i, I don't know oh, if that's what okay. he felt was like maybe meddled with um that maybe the studio cut it or um i don't i don't know what you know i'd be curious to hear what david slade um felt about it or if he had a disagreement with the studio or what but um again on its own merits super fun movie um if you can yeah like so it's a really short speedy 90 minutes it zips along and um and and visually like all of his movies i think there's some really really cool captivating imagery nice yeah that's awesome yeah i saw the trailer for it and i was like oh that does look interesting uh and I just, I just never got to it. And I saw David Slade and I was like, oh shoot. Yeah. Like I, th- you know, I got to try to watch that. And I just didn't have time to, to get it in, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a, that's, it's good to hear that I made your list. Cause now I, I'm definitely going to want to go back and, and check it out. Yeah. It's fun. Go in with like, just no expectations, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I like, I didn't know it was him either and it didn't get a theatrical release, at least not here. I think it went straight yeah. to VOD. Um, so um this was a surprise like i had no idea david slade had a movie this year until very recently and uh nice yeah and uh it was it's good i recommend it awesome all right uh well my number seven is uh the other horror comedy that made my list and that is the blackening uh which uh you haven't seen it okay we has has there been anything on no. either of our lists that no we've both seen yet? yet? <laughs> no, no, we both saw Thanksgiving. Oh, I just didn't have true. it on my list. Yeah, yeah. But the, considering the fact that we've talked about eight movies now and we've only got one that we've both seen, I think. Oh, Ennisman we both saw. And Ennisman, okay, yeah. two. Yeah. Two out of eight, right? But still. Yeah, that's, that's surprising. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, this is, uh, this is another horror comedy, like I said. Um, a, a group of friends go to a cabin to kind of get away. It's kind of a reunion vacation for them there's uh a couple different couples there's you know a lot of them were just like friends some are only just acquaintances and um they find this very racist game uh in the game room of these this i guess it's like an airbnb kind of rental basically and and they essentially get like forced into playing it um under the guise that like um the people who own the house have kidnap their other friends who got there early um so like when the most of them arrived the other friends had been there already and and they couldn't they didn't know where they were but then they find out that they're like kidnapped so they're kind of forced to play this game so there's a lot of humor there's some legit like you know scary stuff but like horror comedy scares like not because you know we've talked about this before like you know it's tough with horror comedies because they usually don't hit the funny and they don't hit the scares you know or the horror elements of it and so you're sort of like in this middle ground i'd say this leans far more to the comedy side than the horror comedy Uh, same by the way for totally killer by the way i think that's far more of a a a comedy than it is horror um same with the blackening but the blackening is like pretty funny and like very like uh fun all the way through so that's what is ranking it i think higher for me on this list um I don't think there's much of a surprise <laughs> in terms of like anything that like happens in the movie. I think you kind of have a sense for like what's going on and you know, who's what, like as you watch it. Um, not, I, hopefully that's not spoiling anything. Um, but it's, you know, it was still very enjoyable, it, you know, for, for, you know, living within that formula, it was still fun. And I got enough enjoy- enjoyment out of the movie to put it at my number seven spot. So 
Nice. There you go. <laughs> nice. So that's my number seven. Yeah. That's um, written by Tracy Oliver and Dwayne Perkins and then directed by Tim Story. That's the black and Why do I know Tim Story's name? Now I have to look I know. Up. I do too. And I couldn't, I couldn't place it either. And uh, uh, I wonder what I know it from as well. Sorry. Obviously, I have to. Yeah. Now we have to stop down. We have to actually look sorry. up what do we know Tim Story from. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine, man. Don't worry about it. Uh, let's see. He oh, he did the Fantastic direct- Four movies, which is not why I know him because I haven't seen any of those. Uh, oh, Taxi, yep. Shaft. Yep. Okay, yeah. yeah ride yeah. Along and Ride Along 2. Yep. That new Tom and Jerry movie he did. Barbershop. Oh, he did the first Barbershop. There you go. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. there you go. All right. So, yeah, someone I've seen. Oh, interesting. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I feel like Tom and Jerry's like really. Well, I mean, I guess after having done the Fantastic Four movies, that's not really that big of a surprise. <laughs> like in terms of like as I'm looking at his like filmography. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, but yeah, I mean, he has like a you know he's got like kind of like an action pedigree and kind of a comedy pedigree, so it works out well for this um for this movie. I think. Oh, cool. There you go. That's uh, that's my number seven, Nick. All right, we you are were up with your number six through seven, and yeah, I'm on to my number six, which I um, let me see, crossed out some numbers on my list to move things around. I'm just trying to make sure, sure. I'm reading this right, because <laughs> um, again, I really could have gone in any order. Um, yeah. Okay, for number six, I am choosing um, Hell House Origins, the Carmichael Manor. Um, nice. I have not seen it. Okay. The, the fourth movie <laughs> in um, Stephen Cognetti's Hell House movies um, franchise. Um, have you seen any awesome. of them? I've seen the first, but I think the reason, again, sort of like Saw X, why I didn't catch this one is I hadn't seen two or three. So, um, yeah. So there are parallels. I mean, nothing to do with the story, but they're in terms of like, yeah, uh, with the Saw series, I had, it was the exact same way with Hell House. I'd seen the first one. Um, but I had really no frame of reference. Like if I had to see the other ones first. Um, so anyway, mm-hmm. I, I watched them all. And yes, as it turns out, all four Hell House movies are surprisingly interconnected, um, ah. which I was not expecting. Um, I didn't know that they were like, I knew that they were essentially direct sequels, but I had no idea that they were um, so closely tied together. Um, uh. So I am glad I watched them all within, um, you know, I rewatched one and then, watched the next three um within a day and um you know i don't know if that weighs on my ranking of this movie or not but um this was interesting because i think the first three movies no spoiler i think it's like pretty clear when you when you all take place in the same location Mm -hmm. um and uh, and so this is the first movie that deviates from that a little bit um, and yet it's still tied oh. very closely into the rest of the series. Um, okay. So, you know, if you're a fan of these movies, you this is not like a departure really, uh, but it's a nice new setting and it's a great, like, you know, I, I love, I love a good haunted house movie. And, um, mm-hmm. and this is both a good haunted house movie and a good found footage movie. Um, oh, good. So yeah, he's, you know, uh, as found footage movies go, and like, this is another year mileage may vary. Like if you, hate found footage movies you're not gonna like this um yeah yeah but um 
yeah, if if you're open to found footage movies, I think this whole series is uh, some of the strongest ones. Again, I'm I'm a big supernatural horror fan, so um, yeah, uh, that might have something to do with it. But um, yeah, there's a lot of um, well, there's a lot of clever use of like you know found footage has been every um, like motivation within a movie for having found footage be you know like how the footage like why are there so many cameras and why are we watching yeah. the footage it's all been done so many times these movies are pretty good um about working that in organically in a way that doesn't make yeah. you suspend your disbelief too much um well i think the haunted house premise makes a lot of sense where like you imagine they've got gopros up in the corner and you can really easily buy into why there's cameras like set up everywhere yeah there is always yeah. um yeah, there's always a good motivation for a character to be holding a camera in these movies or for you to be yeah. looking at. And, um, and you know, I, I like a lot of found footage movies. They're, um, they're all structured as like mockument- as documentaries, like where there, there are occasionally interviews with experts or people who were involved, who survived and blah, blah, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. That's always the skeleton yeah. of all four of these movies. Um, uh, and again, I, th- I feel like, you know, the performances are all actually pretty strong. Um throughout most of these um uh where again suspending your disbelief um is not that much of a challenge beyond the fact that there's like supernatural shit happening everywhere um sure sure but um but we've talked we've talked too about how found footage adds like an extra layer of that suspension of disbelief so it's nice to hear that like this is done in a way that's done well enough that you're not like you know having to do this extra buy-in that you normally wouldn't exactly um yeah and like there's this weird paradox of the series like you you can you can feel that they're made very cheaply um Mm -hmm. and i'm saying that as this is a positive like i'm not trying to call them cheap looking you can tell that they were made on a on a very tight budget and yet um none of the scares or the setup feels cheap um, if that makes sense like you could tell that it was a small crew um on all four of these um and that they were yeah and but and i i don't know how to it was it's just weird watching them like i had constant feeling like i was just so in awe like you could feel especially on the first one like the budget constraints but at the same mm-hmm. time, I was just like, I, I think, to his credit, again with found found footage can be can be messed up really badly. Um, the scares are are well earned, um, yeah. and don't feel forced, which I think is a big problem with found footage movies. Um, mm. And um, and he finds new ways to to. Um, to elicit scares and they're not all just like jump scares and what you would expect from this type of film um there's like some actually like genuinely chilling imagery um you know that kind of lingers on the screen for a while and um and you know that's the kind of ghost story that i like you know it's not the jump scares that do it it's like the really ghostly images that kind of just hang on the screen and you're wondering if you saw something out of the corner of your eye that may or may not have been there these movies do that really well and i think this is the strongest one of the whole series so oh that's awesome yep high praise yes (laughs) well that's great yeah i i really do need to catch up on the the sequels to that because i really love the first one i thought the first i mean 
I, I think we've talked about it too when we've talked about found footage. I'm not the biggest found footage fan, generally because they add that extra layer of suspension and disbelief that's hard for me to like buy into, right? Yeah, yeah. But I really like the first um, Hell House. So I've been meaning to watch the sequels, and this might give me a reason to now if I uh, can catch up and watch the, the newest one. Yeah, there yeah, it's go. good. They're all on Shudder. Um, I think actually nice. two, three, and four may all have been Shudder exclusives or shutter originals oh, although okay. they've made their way to other services but yeah they're all on yeah, shutter yeah. um so you know if you have shutter they're very easily accessible and they're all 90 minutes like on the dot pretty much so it's a nice breezy nice. you know if you're into this kind of stuff and you haven't seen them i recommend them awesome all right uh okay my number six nick i have a feeling is higher on your list i and okay i think i might know what it is and this is when evil lurks. Yep. Is that higher on your list? It is. Okay. <laughs> All right. So then we will hold off talking about it uh, until we get to it on Nick's list. Uh, that means we're coming right back to you for number five. Oh God, sorry. Okay. Um, no, that's all right. Okay. Yeah, my number five I suspect is also on your list. Um, although we haven't really talked about it outside of the podcast at all, so I'm not actually sure how you feel about this one. But uh-huh. it, this series is the basis of our entire relationship. So I am going I have with... it at number five, too. Sir. Oh, do you really? Okay, <laughs> I do. Perfect. <laughs> Evil Dead Rise. There you Evil go. Evil Dead Rise. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of between which where I should have Evil Dead versus One Evil Lurks. Like, like which would be above the other, basically. Yeah. Um, but I ended up putting Evil Dead Rise at five. So there you go. Oh. How serendipitous. Okay, that's perfect. <laughs> um, there you go. Well, yeah, yeah you, this you should. Was... I went last, so you should really talk okay, about this. Okay, all one. right. <laughs> No, this was great. I thought this was... I, I get some people weren't vibing with, like, you know, it in a apartment building in a city versus, you know, a cabin in the woods and whatever, you know. To me, I thought it, like, was... It worked really well. In, in the same way that I think there were some really great benefits of putting Scream 6 in New York City, I think it's the same thing with this um, <clears throat> franchise, like, moving it into a city and into an apartment complex with more people, like, around. Not that there's a lot of people in that apartment no, there complex really aren't. <laughs> because it's, like, condemned or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and most people have been, like kicked out or moved out or whatever um but you know i thought it worked great and it is just like in the best of ways it's like was just like a very kind of like grimy grody like nasty kind of evil dead film yeah um i think there's maybe not as much humor here as obviously like you know the second one and maybe even in some ways the first one because it is just going for that like kind of gross aspects but like I think sometimes that would really like turn me off, but I think both with the remake from 2013 and then this one, they did a really great job of like hitting that vein of like gore and like kind of gross out, but not too gross out. And also making it just like very compelling and scary. Yeah. And, and in this one, I think did a really good job using this new environment in a way that worked. And, and for the most part, I think like was really effective um there's little quibbles here or there that you know like i'd have with it but like for the most part i think it really kind of you know did a really excellent job (laughs) of like giving me that evil dead fix that i wanted basically um and and you know having the having the deadites come back in the form of of the mother and and then terrorizing the kids basically was like a pretty fun twist 
you know, that we haven't seen yet. And so I think it was doing enough new things that really kind of gave me some good buy-in and, and, and like had me really like enjoying the film. Yeah. But, but I'm very curious to hear, to hear your thoughts. No, I think you nailed it. I really don't have much to add to that. I think um, especially your assessment of like the difference in the way that the first three feel in comparison to the remake in this one. Um, yeah. But, and I like the remake quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. But when I think Evil Dead, I never consider the re- like I, I, as a movie it yeah. was really good. But this one, yeah. I think straddled the line a little bit more, where like the gore was, like the violence was a little bit more grody and like really. Um, the remake just plays the violence almost again, like to- like torture porn levels of like, yes, the way that the violence is treated is not campy and cartoonish like the first three which I think Mm -hmm. is part of the charm of the first three. This one is somewhere in the middle. um, Yeah. That's a good way. That's a good way to put it. That's good. So I don't, it kind of like bridged the, the modern evil dead and the classic evil dead films that I love so much. I think it, it bridged them a lot better and it kind of gave me, it gave me more hope for the series moving forward than the remake did as much as again, I like that film. It feels like a real outlier to me now. And this one feels way more, closely and this is uh, you know obviously without even any of the you know returning without ash without bruce campbell at all um it still feels like it belongs um a lot more um and i think yeah. that's why it's i mean it, it's just a great time it's really fun anyway it's a really fun movie it's it's violent it's funny it's you know it's got great um great effects um it's everything you want in an evil dead movie um mm-hmm. But again, because I think it, it, it really it really brought the franchise back for me. Um I mean Oh nice. I mean well, there's Ash vs. Evil Dead obviously happened yeah, between yeah. the remake and this and, and that was like perfect. That was like a gift that we'll never get again. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, like I don't even think we deserved that in the first place. We're too lucky to have Ash vs. Evil Dead for three <laughs> seasons. Obviously should have yeah, gone on longer. Yeah, that's true. But um <laughs> in terms of the film series continuing um, this has completely reinvigorated me. Um, and that's the best yeah. thing I can say about it. So, yeah, no, that's a good way to, that's a good way to put it because I agree. Like, Ash, it, it, you know, it is funny. Cause you talk about like the remake kind of being in its own realm, you know? And, and that's sort of how I feel about Ash versus the evil dead, even though it's a direct continuation mm-hmm. yeah. from the first three movies. It's like, there's the first trilogy. There is the remake and then there's Ashworth the Evil Dead, which and they're kind of like their own little silos in a way. And now like this one almost feels like it's its own new silo, but that like like you're talking about is giving us hope for like the future of these films because it's a continuation but not a direct sequel to like the first three and like hit the nail on the head in the way that you wanted it to but doesn't feel like it needs to pay homage to like the legacy characters and stuff that, yes. you know, th- that the first three had. This is so what a reboot so should be, in my opinion. Exactly. Like, yeah, we, yeah. We don't need one cameo from one of the returning cast members from the original uh, as yeah. like, you know, we it's it's a brand new Evil Dead universe, but it's the same universe, yes. if that makes any sense. Um, no, so agreed. It's 100%. Wipes the slate completely clean and they can go anywhere. Um, the change in setting really helps hammer that home and uh yeah yeah uh it's just um yeah uh this was a uh, i was really nervous going into 
to this movie. I was very excited. I'd seen Lee Cronin's other movie, um, Hole in the Ground, and, and liked it. But it's a very different type of movie, and I was not sure how yeah. he'd handle Evil Dead. And I had a lot of apprehension. But um, I, of all the movies that, you know, I was nervous going into this year, this one easily, the like, I immediately after the first scene, I was like, okay, I, I calmed mm-hmm. way down. Yeah, yeah. And, and speaking of that, I think it was structured in a very interesting way. Like, yeah. you know, knowing what what happens at the beginning and, and then you're like, oh, wait, how is this going to yeah. tie in X, Y? And then it, it really kind of, I think, landed. So, because that could have felt very cheap, I think. Yes. Once you once you watch the film, but I think it, it worked out really well. Yeah. Um, That's a good point. Yeah, yeah that yeah. could have that could have easily um, gone south and, and just felt, but it didn't feel out of place. It really worked. Yes, absolutely. So. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. And this is written and directed by Lee Cronin. So right. uh, I'll give him props for that, for doing both. Um, excellent. Well, that's number five. Nick, what's your number four, sir? Uh, my number four is my second most recently watched, uh, Suitable Flesh, another another movie that was uh, nice. available on Shudder. I'm not sure if it was uh, exclusively available on Shudder or not. but um, uh, Yes. I think, well, I think it was on Blu-ray at the same time, and it had been on VOD prior to that. Oh, it had? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they did a VOD release, and then it was scheduled to come out at the end of January there on um, on Shutter. Is that what they did so, with yeah. Mayhem as well with Joe Lynch's other last film that was on oh, Shutter? I... That may have been an exclusive as well, but good question. I don't know. I don't know if I had Shutter way back in 2018. I, I, I don't know when I if I did or not. I'm trying to remember. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, anyway, Joe Lynch. Um, I regret i mean i'm embarrassed that i've never really read any lovecraft and i wish i had um oh and uh but you know i from what i understand about lovecraft i've certainly seen adaptations this doesn't feel like a lovecraft adaptation to me um from what i know about him um yeah it's it's not as cosmic dread exactly as you would expect from lovecraft yeah um it's a much more contained narrow sort of dread <laughs> yeah yeah Yes, it's a very, like, I don't, I, having seen Mayhem, I did not expect such a, like, grounded, focused movie, if you can call it grounded, no. um, <laughs> you know, but, like, it's just, it's a very contained film, but, um, my God, was it, was it a good time? Um, yeah, this is another one that, like, I watched it, and it was, like, right on the cusp of making the list, but is on the is on the honorable mentions for me. Okay, yeah, yeah. I wasn't yeah. sure how... I, I knew you'd seen it, but I, I didn't know how you felt about it. Um, yeah. I just... You know, honestly, um, there's something so campy and over-the-top about Judah Lewis's performance um, as the kid, as um, Aza, I think his name is. Um, mm-hmm, yep. It re- like I, I think without him, like that's perfect casting, basically. I think without him in that role, this movie could have fallen apart. I mean, Heather Graham is really good. Barbara Crampton yep. obviously mm-hmm. is great to see her in this movie. Um, but I think he really makes or breaks this movie, and and he does a great job. Um, uh, yeah, it was just uh, I, I had a great time watching this. I had a great time. It also has oh well, you know what? I might spoiler alert. Uh, I might, I, this might come up in the awards section, so I'll talk about this later. <laughs> There you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this was fun. I mean, like, 
it almost has like a soapy feel to it, mm-hmm. you know, especially the way he shot it, you know, like it, it, you know, it, 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 it definitely gave me those like almost like soap opera or almost like, um, like, a like a 90s Skinamax kind of feel oh, yeah. in a way, you know what I mean? Like very, very intentionally. I want to like Joe Lynch, I think like intentionally did that. Like this is very much, um, in the vein of not just Lovecraft, but also, um, oh my God, now, I can't believe this from beyond director. Why am I blanking on his name? Oh, uh, Stuart Gordon. Why am I? Stuart Gordon. Yeah. yeah. This is very much like a love story, a love letter to, to Stuart very Gordon. Much. Well. I can't believe I, I cannot believe I just blanked on Stuart Gordon's name. I, no, I uh, mean, I mean, Barbara Crampton helps that. Like I mean, yeah. Being uh, in the film. Yeah. Her alone, like being in it, but yeah, just like the whole, the style behind it, the, the, the story, you know, very much as much a Stuart Gordon kind of homage as it is like a, oh, totally. a Lovecraftian story. I think the um, first so scene you, is like you, that. If I'm, it's the uh, the morgue, right? And he walks out of the morgue, and there's like that desk with like the. It's the exact same setup as Reanimator, as, as far as I recall. Yes, it felt so yeah, much exactly. like that to me. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 very much a love letter to Gordon. If you are a fan of his, yeah. uh, I think you'll definitely enjoy it. Um, yeah, it, and it was fun. That this is was like falls under the very like fun kind of horror movie because there's just a lot of possibilities that can happen based on what the story is. Yeah. And so you you like I don't know about you, but I know for me, I was just like, wow, yeah, I, I wonder where this is <laughs> you know, going or how it's gonna land. Yeah, no, exactly. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So there you go. If you like Stuart Gordon or Lovecraft, you'll probably enjoy Suitable Flesh. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, all right, my number four is the other Carter Smith movie from 2023, <laughs> The Passenger. Did you watch I have this not one, seen Nick? This, no, another one that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I think this was on MGM Plus oh. or like VOD. And so I got a free trial to MGM Plus so I could watch <laughs> nice. it and okay. it canceled before I got charged. Um, so there you go. So maybe that's not the best thing to admit on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because i don't maybe carter smith didn't get any money for that but anyway um yeah this was um this was really great and this is very much like a two-hander uh kyle gallner and um oh um speaking of blanking on stuff i'm blanking on the name of the other actor who's like the main character with uh kyle gallner in this pardon me johnny berktold who uh i was not familiar with before this um, Kyle Gallner is kind of like been a staple of like horror films for a while now. He's been in, in like a number of them. Um, he was in like Red Eye and he was in uh, Jennifer's Body. Um, he was on the Nightmare on Elm Street remake from 2010. Um, he was in Scream 2022. Um, yeah, he was. Um, he's the one that gets killed outside when um, uh, Red Right Hand plays. Um, He's kind of like the the towny hooligan type. Oh, um, that's Kyle Gallner. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he's uh he's great. I I think he's like a really kind of like modern um, horror movie um, star. I guess in a sense, he's not a scream queen like we would re- refer to like a lot of women, <laughs> but he's also not like a um, like a well known like villain or anything. Oh, he was in Smile too, of course. Oh sure. yeah. Why, okay. How did I forget he was in Smile? He was the cop. Um, oh right okay yeah, yeah, yeah so anyway so he he's uh he plays i mean i don't think this gives anything away it's in the trailer i mean he plays um a very unstable young man who um 
works at a fast food place with this other um, this other character, <clears throat> and the Johnny Berktold character basically gets like treated like garbage by the other employees. He's had a lot of trauma in his life. He doesn't stick up for himself. All of these things. Kyle Galner ends up like shooting up the restaurant. Again, this is the very beginning of the movie, and it's in the trailer. He comes in with a shotgun and just starts like killing the people who were like being horrible to Johnny. And it's basically like, you know, why aren't you sticking up for yourself, et cetera, et cetera. And then basically forces him, kind of kidnaps him as a hostage and, you know, takes him on this trip, um, you know, in the movie. And I, I won't say more than that, but um, really good performances by both of them and, and by a couple other like smaller um, uh, parts in the film, like some other actors who, who fill in, in in small parts. And Gallner just like steals the show, man. Like he's great, um, and it really kind of rides on his shoulders. I mean, same with the Johnny Berktold um, character as well. But um, I was really into it. I was captivated all the way. I wanted to see how it was gonna come out, um, and the performances here I think are the stars, and it was really really good. Um, directed by Carter Smith, like I said, this one was written by Jack Stanley. But um, yeah, that's my number four. The passenger. The passenger. Cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I did not know much about it at all. Um, yeah. Maybe I should sign up for an MGM free plus trial or plus free trial. Plus free trial. Or, yeah. um, or maybe I shouldn't. Uh, yeah. You know, or, I, I, I mean, you know what? It's it's probably better if you rent it. On yeah. VOD. I'm gonna rent it. I'm sure. Like residual wise, it probably is better to do that. No. I, it's. Uh, yeah. I, I honestly forgot MGM Plus was a thing. <laughs> Honestly, I did too until I looked looked up where I can watch that. Yeah, no, until you just mentioned it. And, uh, so, um, but no, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Um, was that your number four? That was number four. Oh, sir. okay. We're we're moving. We're moving we're, through this. We're in now in the top three. Okay. These are my hardest to rank. The top three. Um, okay interesting yeah yeah two or three two or three i thought about flipping like one i could definitely see one over the other you know but one for me my number one is like my number one okay i'm i'm curious yeah. if we have the same number one we'll see um all right but i kind of felt that way too but um yeah two and three this was tough um but ultimately i put brooklyn 45 as my number three Gosh, I did not end up seeing this one. I watched the trailer for it, and I had it like on my list of things to watch, and I just never got to it. Oh yeah, it's. it's um, I'm super happy I watched this. I I'm gonna butcher his oh, name, good. Ted Geogigan. Geogigan director, G E O G. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm sorry, Ted. Um, no, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'd help you if I knew how. I'm sorry, but I don't. No, I I I, I yeah. I'm not even gonna try again. But um, he. Is the director of um, he directed We Are Still Here, which is um, uh, a ghost story from you know like five or six years ago. Um, okay. Uh, and a really good movie. I had, so I bought We Are Still Here when it first came out because um, I like a good ghost story and I love Larry Fessenden and he is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Larry Fessenden is again in this film, Brooklyn Forty Five. Um, it's nice. but a very different role and a very very different movie. Um, this is a period piece again, another period piece on my list um, that takes place shortly after the end of World War II. Um, 
and it's like an ensemble cast of like four five i can't remember how many characters but um uh five or six people who worked together during the war um doing some you know pretty some um interrogation and some you know kind of ops that probably were not publicly mentioned so they, they did some shady stuff during the war but all sanctioned by the u.s government um mm-hmm. so and and they're reconvening for the first time since the end of the war um in the brooklyn apartment of um of one of them and um they essentially get stuck in a room um with some supernatural elements and also a german woman who happens to be a neighbor of um, the person who lives in this apartment but um you know fresh out of the war all of these people who had just finished fighting are basically debating whether she may or may not be a nazi a spy a nazi spy um um so it's really more of a thriller there's some supernatural elements and it's it's so it's it it, and it's got like you know it's a horror filmmaker larry fessenden's in it um there there's enough horror elements to make this i think fairly on my list like i don't feel bad about that um but it's just a great thriller with great performances and um what i love so much about it is it's essentially like a stage play like i'm surprised this isn't adapted from a stage play um you know it's a single location in real time just five people six people in a room talking to each other and yet it's so tense you'll be on the edge of your seat um it's just okay it's really gripping um and um yeah, like I said, again, it's another movie I, I kind of like was interested in because I, I'm a big Larry Fessenden fan, and um, he's incredible in it, but um, the performances across the board are fantastic. Um, Anne Ramsey stars in it. Um, Ezra Buzzington, who's also in Dark Harvest, um, he uh, he plays a great, great villain. Um, you know, and again, not a spoiler. You'll, it's, I'm sure it's in the trailer. Um, yeah, I recommend it. If you... Um, if you like that kind of thing, like a nice, simple one location movie, this is like as good as it gets. Nice. I think. Yeah. When I watched the trailer, I, I definitely got stage play vibes. So it, it makes total sense that you're like, it feels very much like that. Cause that's, that's the vibe from the trailer. It really, and this is not, again, not a spoiler at all, but just to like, I was so engrossed by this. Um, it, it's because of the era it takes place and it starts, um, also in a four, three ratio. Um, ah, and there's like okay. a little cold open and then it cuts to the credit and then you're back. Um, and there's one pretty long take where, um, it starts in four, three and slowly expands, um, mm. to like anamorphic widescreen. Um, and I was like, so into the movie, I honestly didn't notice it had gone to widescreen <laughs> until like a couple of minutes later. Oh, no. Nice. Yeah. So it was slow enough that it wasn't like you didn't see it happening. I didn't the... even notice. I was just like, so, oh, that's so great. Th- that was pretty cool. That is fun. That's cool. So. Awesome. Yeah. Now that's going to jump to the top of my list on Shudder, right? It's on Shudder? Uh, yes, I saw it on Shudder. Yep. Yes. Nice. All right. Awesome. Uh, okay. My number three. I wonder if this is higher on your list. If this is your number one, I'm not sure. But my number three is Talk to Me. Yeah, that's my number one. That's your number yeah. one. All right, so we'll we'll hold off on that then until we get 
to the number. I'm. Oh, see. Okay, I'm very curious if you've even seen my number one. <laughs> I'm. Yeah. Okay. Um, as far as I know, it's only it's only available in theaters still. It's not available like on home video or VOD. Really? Okay, then almost certainly not. But we'll see. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. What was your? I'm curious what your number two is. So number two and is. I'm wonder, is when yes, evil lurks. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Awesome. Um, so we can talk about. Yeah. That let's now. talk about yeah, it. You so, should. You should. You had it first, so you should talk about it. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say. I mean, so uh, we'll say this is written and directed by Damien Rugna. I believe I'm. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that name right, right, but um, it's a Spanish language film, and um, it's shot in Argentina. It's a co-production of Argentina and the U.S. Um, but this is. the small rural community in which people can get infested with a demon, I guess, is that it's like taken over by a demon. Um, but rather than something like the exorcist where like a demon enters and then like wreaks havoc, it's just sort of like kind of rots you from the, from the inside basically. And they don't pass it on unless you like kill them or don't like, dispose of them properly right and you're supposed to have the church come and handle it and take care of the demon basically well naturally though having someone who has a demon in them will make other people really worried and so what happens is that there are some men in the community who take it upon themselves to try to get rid of this body this festering body just just disgusting like this person who's like like pus and bile and everything these like huge like like i don't know i guess they're like cysts or whatever and then they yeah anyway they try to get rid of this body and take it out of um his mother's house and they like put it in their truck and they're driving it to try to dump it basically and this sets off a series of events in which the demon then gets out of that body and starts jumping from to other bodies basically and wreaking havoc on the the lives of these men who have taken this into their own hands to try to do right um i don't know what more to say because <laughs> i don't want to spoil anything else but this is a supernatural horror film um very much like tied into like the christian faith and everything um yeah and there's there are some really fantastic scenes in it I think overall it's a really cool story and I think there is some really great tension that is built throughout. I think for me and the reason it's like lower at six as opposed to like up high at like two or one or something like that is that it didn't feel like it sustained that level all the way through. I feel like there were times in it where I'm just kind of like, okay, all right. I feel like we, we've made, we've hit this long. You know what I mean? Where you're, you're, they were sticking with certain like ideas or, or, elements of the story where i was just like you know i get it let's move on kind of thing almost and that's not like a huge critique it's not like a a really big like um thing against it because i think overall it works really really well um and i think the standout aspects of it like some of the scenes in particular like are really jarring and like scary yeah and really elevate it overall as a film for me yeah i would agree with all of that um yeah i think any other year this would probably still have made my list but been much much lower um mm. i still i mean i really liked it a lot um but i mean I, in the months since it's come out i think i've been reading um 
a lot of um, incredibly over-enthusiastic praise for it, I think. Um, oh, sure. Um, yeah. and, and it certainly deserves praise. I don't want to... I mean, it's it's a, it's a very well-constructed horror film. Um, it's extremely disturbing. I mean, there are parts of it mm-hmm. that are extremely disturbing. Um, yeah. Without spoiling anything, I, I can say that, you know, it's, it's the kind of movie where... I think I was just shocked that there is no character with like plot armor um you know yeah. kind of um it's it's one of those movies where like anything could happen at any time and you generally don't mm-hmm. know like any of the conventions you think um a horror movie might follow in terms of you know who is or isn't a victim uh throw it out the window like you just that it i usually am not shocked by stuff like that but this movie was um yeah uh, there were some really really pretty unsettling scenes um yeah it's pretty dark at pretty times. dark and i think that 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 you're talking about that unconventional aspects of it the no plot armor i think that is kind of a probably a benefit of this coming from argentina and not coming out of like oh, yeah. the u.s filmmaking either a studio or even just like the conventions of american filmmaking yeah because um, we're you know again I, we don't want to spoil anything but like every character is game in this movie basically yeah absolutely yeah i think there were some i i don't know there was another thing it's been a few months like i saw this when it first was started streaming on shutter so like i've i've forgot i will admit i've forgotten a lot of uh details since and i i should really re- revisit it um and i certainly liked it enough to to watch it again um but i think at its best there were scenes in this movie that just felt made the movie feel like a lot bigger than it was um mm. a lot more epic than it was there were like there are some scenes and i don't know if it's the way it's shot exactly or but we're just like the scale of the movie seems all like to suddenly widen to a weird degree um even though like there's no specific thing happening in the scene that would make you feel that way again it's just like the way that it's it's made and this happens a few times in the movie where it just like suddenly it just expanded in scope for me and i was like okay this is yeah. this is more of an epic horror film than i expected and then it'll go back down to a more intimate movie and um mm-hmm. and i agree with you there are parts like there there's you know elements of the third act that i i felt really kind of let down by um yeah which really unfor- i mean like it, it the first two-thirds of the movie were phenomenal for me um and mm-hmm. then um unfortunately i just i don't think it all comes together as well as it it should have um but that being said i think it's a a really well-made movie the makeup effects are crazy as you described yeah Yeah. um and again if you just want like to be surprised by a horror movie and really not know um you know i had no idea what to expect after the first like half hour so um if you're looking for something to surprise you, this is this is a good one. Um, but very, yeah, I would say yeah. again, as Brantley pointed, out, it's so dark um, at times. Like it will, there are some genuinely like upsetting parts of this film. Um, yeah, it didn't stick with me the way that um, oh, what was the movie from last year that? Uh, yeah, I know exactly which one you're talking about. But I can't think of the name. Of I it. still uh, shudder at that movie. Um, yeah no oh, god i can't think of it i know exactly the movie you're talking about because it's another shutter movie, yeah and i right? just i was yeah. just reading about it this morning and it's killing me that i don't i don't know but 
Um, I mean, that movie still is under my skin. Um, this one in yeah, the moment could... was pretty shocking, but you know, I've forgotten everything about it. Yeah. So. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it sounds like it doesn't have the same lingering aspect exactly. to it that that you know the other one did. Um, yeah, yeah, and I agree with exactly what you're talking about. The third act is primarily what I'm talking about. I figured. And then I think in general, like when you talk about it coming down to the more intimate scenes, sometimes I feel like sometimes speaking of lingering, it just kind of lingers in that yep. area without really much happening in a way that kind of. I think maybe in the same way that like Ennisman lingers, but you can be captivated. Like maybe they're kind of going for that in a sense, but it just it didn't click in that way for yeah. me. Um, which are the kind of the the minor detractions, I guess I would say ab- about the film. Um, but yeah, overall, really good, really strong, and like um, a shocking and brutal horror movie in some ways, and really well done. Yeah, I would say that this would. Again, if not for the third act and some other minor things, this this easily could have been my number one. The best parts of this movie for me are better than any other part of any other horror film this year. The the highs are that high. Um, unfortunately, yeah. it's just not sustained long enough for the movie to to make it to the top of my list. But, yeah, that's a that's a good way to put it. I think that's great. So, so this was this was number this two was number two for, you, for right? me. So yeah, what's your okay. number two? Well, I'm surprised my number two didn't make it on your list. I think I remember us talking about it a long time ago because it came out over a year ago, but it premiered. Is this one? This is another one that says 2022. Okay. But because it went to theater, uh, not theaters, but it went to like festivals. But it released on Peacock in January of 2023, which is what I'm basing it on. And it's Sick, which is written by Kevin Williamson, directed by John Hyams. Speaking of films with third act issues, okay, Sick definitely does. But I don't think it detracted enough from the movie for me in the third act to make me like like it any less. And what I really love about this is that this is what Thanksgiving, what you're talking about, was billed as, which is like this to me is like a throwback slasher. That's who a who done it like a scream throwback kind of slasher where I'm just like awesome, you know. I mean, obviously it's written by Kevin Williamson, so it's it's very much <laughs> the, the comparisons to Scream are hard not to make, right? Of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was just sort of like a, a breath of fresh air. And this is speaking of not having seen it in a while, <laughs> maybe I should have rewatched it for this, but I remember just like, like being really excited for it. Like a new Kevin Williamson slasher film. I think I even talked about it on this podcast. I started watching it when I was on like the treadmill at the gym and I'm like, it's too bright in here. There's too loud. I got to stop this like a couple minutes in and just like sit at home and watch it because I really want to like take it in. And I'm really glad I did. Um, but yeah, it was just a, a blast. Great set pieces, some awesome, awesome set pieces in this, a real like back to basic slasher, but like very fun, very engaging. I get why some people don't like the whole COVID-19 aspects of it, or they had issues with the fact that like, you know, I think it was like, like the vaccines were listed as being out when they weren't out yet and, and things like that. So I, I, I understand those sorts of quibbles and I definitely get people's complaints about the third act because I, I, if you're not buying into like the killer's reasoning and everything, then it could really fall flat for you. And, and, and I didn't really either. I think that's the weakest part of the film. 
But I think overall, the buildup and the tension to get to that point is good enough that like it didn't bother me as much, and I really just and still enjoy the film immensely overall. And the third act doesn't detract enough from it for me to drop it down further. So there you go. Sick is my number two pick. <laughs> oh no, awesome! I so we did we have talked about this. I have not seen Sick. Um, oh really? I'm oh. really disappointed because, uh, to your point, if it came out over a year, I honestly thought it was a 2022 movie. Um, oh yeah, well it's it's build it like everywhere you look at it, it says 2022 in parentheses after it. Yeah, so. and I feel like it's like, it has been so long since we've discussed it originally that I, I was just like certain yeah. that it came out before. So that's my mistake. Um, I have to see it, um, and especially now it's that high on your list. Uh, yeah, yes. I, uh, I'm. That's a that's a big omission. I honestly thought it was not this year, or well, we're in 2024 <laughs> now. I honestly thought it was not 2023. So, well, like this is the issue with like Letterboxd or IMDb or whatever it is listing a movie as one year because it went to festivals that year. Right, and and I get it that it's like it's hard not to list it as that, especially like when that's when it's added to the service. You know, yeah. like. It gets added to the, either the IMDb or the the movie database, whatever service that is, because it's at X festival or Y festival. So of course it's going to be listed. And you know you can't necessarily put 2023 on that when maybe it, it isn't known it's going to be out on Peacock yet because that one kind of just dropped out of nowhere. Right, right. There really wasn't much fanfare for it. So, I mean, it's like you know, there's all these like weird things with like movie releases like that. But I think when we're yeah when we're going by our criteria you kind of have to know that like it got wide distribution in early 2023 to know that it would technically fall under a 2023. Right. Film. Yeah. So no, exactly. I, I can't blame you or anybody else who, who like lists this as a, um, a 2022 film. In fact, last year, I remember when we were looking at our best of 22s and talking about it, I saw a lot of lists that listed it, but it was listed as the caveat that was like, well, I saw this at a festival and it hasn't actually come out this oh. year. <laughs> So, but I'm putting this in a 2022 movie, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, no, yeah. I'm disappointed. Um, but uh, wow, so number two. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really want to see this. Yeah, I mean, it's very much in the slasher vein. So if you're if you're feeling like a slasher, I would throw it on. And if you're just a fan of slashers, I think it does a pretty good job overall, kind of really hitting some of the the notes of that subgenre that we tend to enjoy. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Great. All right. So we know what your number one is. We know is, what my number one is. Right? Yes. Your number one is it's Talk, Talk to, to me. me. A movie there we that go. is also listed as 2022, despite not opening in U.S. theaters until, I think, July. Um, well, it didn't It didn't, It didn't. didn't land in Australian theaters until July 2023 yeah, either, insane. but it just, like, went to its fe- it went to festivals in, like, what was it, October yeah. of 2022 or Very, something? Yeah. So... Yeah, so then it gets listed as yeah. Anyway, so the same issue, same issue. right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, obviously, I mean, I think it made your list too. I think this is a great, a great movie. Um, yeah, uh, it really came out of nowhere for me, and uh, it was a hugely pleasant surprise this year. Um, mm-hmm. Again, any other year, I think it would have definitely made my top ten. I don't know that it would have been number one. Um, there are, there, are, there are definitely elements that I, I didn't love, but for the most part, I think um, 
as a whole, this was the strongest film of the year for me. I think um, I had to put it at the at the top for that reason. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, love a good supernatural horror movie. This was had some like I know a lot of people were saying that oh, it's not it's not a scary movie, but it's a really good horror film. Um, I found I found parts of it genuinely scary. Um, yeah, there there were you know again maybe that's just because I'm. Um, partial to this kind of movie because I think ghosts the idea of ghosts and, and supernatural entities like that frighten me more um, things that you can't see and that you're not sure if they exist like that I'm just naturally more frightened by that so I think maybe I was predisposed to being a little bit more scared um, from parts of this movie than most people but I found it really creepy um, and um, uh Another movie where I think there are um, some surprises that I wouldn't have expected to happen, and when they do, um, the shock value is is way up there. Um, yeah. And uh, and then it sustains this level of tension the whole time. Um, and I, this is a movie where um, I I had some like I had some issues with the ending, but overall, unlike. Um, when evil lurks, uh, I feel like I shouldn't say I had issues with the ending. I had issues with the final act and I felt like somehow the ending kind of redeemed it. Like the very end Mm. sort of redeemed it for me enough where I was not left with like a bad taste in my mouth. And, and, and again, I think, I mean, first time filmmakers, incredible performances. Um, like I just can't wait to see what these people do next. Basically. It's another reason it's so high on my list. Um, there's like nothing fundamentally wrong with this movie. Um, it, for me, again, from start to finish, I think overall it was the strongest movie of the year for me. So um, that's why it's number one. Yeah, no, I, I agree uh, with every point that you've you've discussed. Um, I think it's really interesting because you you know we're talking about this being supernatural and it being a ghost story. It's it's sort of at that cross section that you see some supernatural films where it's like this blend of supernatural horror but also like body horror. Mm-hmm. Especially when like you're pos- there's that possession yes. aspect and you're not in control of your body, yeah. right? I, some of the scariest parts to me were like when characters are getting injured because they're not in control of their own body anymore, right? And it's sort of, you know, obviously like the film in general, it's hard not to see like the drug allegory um, aspects to it, but really you could tie it into like certain aspects of it into like any number of like diseases yeah. or like. Uh, issues that like you know cause uh, or you know people to you know be harmed or not be in control because they can't control their bodies basically um and that that plays out very specifically with one character which i don't again i don't want to try like ruin anything but it is interesting that this kind of has that blend in the same way of like you know like an other like exorcist possession type um supernatural films do yeah yes definitely um Wait, now I'm trying to remember because this is this brings up an interesting point. Uh, what was your? I'm sorry. What was your number four pick? <laughs> the passenger. Okay, you're, there were three. The other, the other Carter Smith. My three was talk to me. This this one. What am I thinking of then? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Maybe you're trying to guess what my number one is. No. Um. Although, no, that I I don't think I I, I don't think I could guess that. I, I generally don't know. Um, okay. I, I had one evil lurks at six. If that's where you were. Wondering. Oh yes, it was one evil lurks. Is that I'm thinking of like, uh, 
weird thread this year for me, I guess, is that there were three movies on my list. Um, Talk to me when evil lurks and um, Dark Harvest, which which I specifically talked about this with, where like the universe of the film just accepts from the beginning, um, yeah, sort of that this is supernatural thing is just like part of real. Like when evil lurks, it's just like yeah, this is just something that has happened in this town. No one seems it's just like the way of, of life for them. Um, yep. You know, the first time we see a possessed person when evil lurks is like one of the most <laughs> horrifying things. <laughs> in the world yeah. but you know it, it, apart from being gross it's like common they they just come to accept it and it's not mm-hmm. quite the same with talk to me but like the main group of people um you know like the, the first time that anything truly supernatural happens um there, there's like maybe a moment of disbelief and then everyone is just like oh okay this this is this thing has this thing has powers um i'm not going to question yeah. it anymore uh, we're going to accept that right away and then we'll just move on. And it's interesting. Again, it's like you're so used to horror movies focusing on like one character who's seeing something and no one else believes them for mm-hmm. so long. And the movie is all. And that was like a kind of a refreshing theme this year was that just like there's a lot of movies where it was like, okay, no, everyone is on the same page that this weird supernatural stuff is happening. So then what do you do? Like, yeah. where does the movie go from there? And that's, um, I, I like that. I felt like kind of disoriented um, with some of these movies. Yeah, no, it is It is really refreshing because you're right. Like so many supernatural movies, it's like so much of the story is just trying to get buy-in from other right. people. And with these ones, the buy-in's there. So now it's like, we can actually just tell this story. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so you, it makes it much easier to go along for the ride in, in a way. Um, because you just very quickly are like, oh, the people in this world know that this happens and is currently happening and they're just on board. Great. We're, I'm on board yeah. too, you know? Yeah, this is a, yeah, that's a really that's a really good point. Because I, I hadn't put that together that, that there were a number of of films that did that but yeah yeah that that that's a good point and i agree it's um you really kind of like didn't know where it was gonna go and while you mentioned like the the momentary hesitation i mean obviously it's it's hard not to draw a parallel to like that first party scene where they're using the hand to like you know a drug scene was like oh come on just try it just try it just try it right i mean it's it's impossible not to right but like yeah once that like happens they do a good job of kind of using some like well done jump scares in that scene to sort of like really be jarringly shocking in a way um but then you also can buy into like why these teens would put themselves in this position like you know it's it really ties into this like youthful idea of like we're gonna live forever (laughs) yeah yeah who cares sort of like thing where I don't think this story works with like older adults. <laughs> like, no, you know, I don't. You know, you really have to use teens here uh, because they're the ones that are going to be throwing these types of parties and like getting people on board and 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 doing that sort of thing. I think you can use older characters like in a Brooklyn Forty Five where it's like another type of get together or party. But for for what this film is, yeah, it really is like in that teen mode, and I think it had to be. Um, yeah for it to work and and i think it did a really good job no i think it had a like maybe just in terms of the way i felt while watching it i was drawing comparisons to like it follows which is you know not the same but oh yeah again in that it it felt very similar i think part of it is again the age of the 
of the people involved. Um, so yeah, you you buy into characters making these sorts of bad decisions that even the film knows are bad decisions, but it's much more plausible when you're seeing these teens do it as opposed yeah. to like a grown ass. Yeah. That's a really yeah. good point. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. Yeah. Uh, awesome. That's, well, that's number talk one. To me. That is, yeah, that's uh, Danny and Michael Filippo. I don't know if that's the proper pronunciation. That's a, it's an Australian movie. Uh, I guess they're a brother filmmaking duo. There you yeah. go. Yeah. All right. All right. I... My number one. <laughs> and, I'm curious. Do you have a? Do you have any guesses? Um, you, I, I honestly don't. When you said it was still in theaters, I um, I'm I'm. Ooh. Okay. Here's another hint. It actually just got re-released into theaters. With a slight change. With a slight change. With a slight change. In Interesting. I honestly no. I, I I honestly have no idea. It it just got released in black and white. In the okay. Yes. Okay. Um, did it actually right. get released? So uh, I th- I knew I thought that was coming in March, but I because I, I haven't seen it yet. Oh oh, I'm sorry. I thought it did. It, maybe it hasn't yet. No, I don't you might know. be right. But um, oh, I'm oh god, I'm so disappointed. I haven't been able to see this yet. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's only in theaters. Yeah, it's only in theaters. This is Godzilla minus one, and I'm sure some people listening might be like, "Is that really a horror movie?" Look, I, I'm not the biggest kaiju person we we did a kaiju episode with the amazing george heffler from um the best little horror house in philly he really schooled us <laughs> kaiju movies for sure <laughs> but and despite having the same birthday as godzilla november 3rd uh i've always been more of a kong guy <laughs> over godzilla right and i've seen a, a number of godzilla movies but this is the first one that i've seen that legit plays out like a horror movie it is a giant monster movie in a how do we stop this giant monster from killing us, but less in a sci-fi way and more in his like, oh my gosh, it is terrifying and horrific, the damage and destruction this monster can do, you know? Um, it, like, it really did play out like how do, like a like a horror movie to me. And this is the first Godzilla where I think, at least that I've seen, I, I want to be very clear here, the first one that I've seen <laughs> that really, like, ties Godzilla into this, like, very horrific element. Then on top of that, it's just an amazingly well-made movie. I mean, I if you had told me, Brantley, you're going to see a Godzilla movie and you're going to be brought to tears multiple times in this movie i'd have said you're crazy sir but this one is really like really does like pull at your heartstrings in a really great way not in a manipulative way um and it's this very kind of rousing movie at times because it's 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 literally like entire like cities and and groups of former japanese soldiers who are all trying to like devise plans of like how to stop uh godzilla because this is set in you know shortly after uh well actually during and then shortly after world war ii right so this is like mid to late 40s how are we going to stop godzilla with the technology that we have basically um and yeah i i I can't wait to watch this again um i'd be curious to watch it in black and white i I don't know what uh, that'll add to it if anything um but this was just a fantastic movie um in the in terms of just being a really well-made movie but also just like being a very horrific 
movie like it really shows the destruction that a giant creature like this can do in such a horrific way that um you're wondering how can they stop this giant monster it seems impossible so yeah i loved it and i know some people might be like it's not a horror movie and i say fuck you this is my (laughs) this is our podcast and it's a horror movie in my mind oh yeah (laughs) and i've seen other people put it on their horror top of the year list too so oh i'm not certainly not breaking any new ground no we did a whole episode on kaiju i i i I wouldn't question it at all yeah Yeah. there you Uh, go but yeah, no, it's I'd be I can't wait for you to watch it because I and I hope I'm not overselling. No, it, you're not. I'd really be curious. You're your you're not the only one overselling it either or selling it. Um, I've heard okay. universally high acclaim from people I respect. So um, it's killing me that yeah. I haven't seen it. Um, and yeah, like I just like I don't even know. I guess it did get a pretty wide. I was actually surprised it got such a wide release in in the states. Um, and yeah. Uh, and yeah, it probably was playing locally, and I missed my shot. So um, yeah, uh, I really hope I, I get a chance to see I, another movie that I you know I'll, I'll see here. But it feels based on everything I know and and other movies I've seen in this series, like I should be seeing it on a big screen, and I'm I'm kind of crushed. Yeah, like if they get the black and white version at a theater near you, I'd recommend it. Like, yeah, you know, like they they had the um, the full color version here at the Keen Cinema, so that's oh. where I went. And so, I, and I was psyched that it, like it came here to Keen. I was like, "Oh hell yeah, I'll, I'll go watch that." Um, but I think it's it's just done such a great job both at the box office and like word of mouth wise that it like it stuck around and and um, continued to do really well, which is which is yeah. Great. I think it made fifty because, or yeah. sixty million domestic here, which I was really yeah probably at least not yeah. expecting from because I, I mean the last like oh. I think Ryu. Kitamara um did uh Godzilla Final Wars and that was the last one I remember getting a release in the US um gotcha and I I feel like it did like really middling business um yeah yeah no this one's really kind of I think I have to imagine it's done way better than they yeah expected but I have no idea what their expectations were on a US release I guess but um I should say this is uh, written, directed, and had visual effects created by Takashi Yamazaki. Um, and look, a lot has been made about the movie that it's like a ten to fifteen million dollar budget, but like the look, the looks of it are like so amazing. Um, I don't want to say much more than that. I don't, I don't know what the visual effects working conditions are like in Japan, <laughs> and or what like the value of the dollar is there compared to what you would get here or wherever studios send out their visual effects to. I don't know enough about the business to, you know, make any comments one way or the other, but just on like such a small budget to be able to create such a grand film in scope, not just through the visual effects. I mean, just in the storytelling in general is really unbelievable. Like I I would be hard pressed to see any studio make a 15 million dollar movie that looks half as good as this movie does and again i know there's like differences in 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 like the culture and working conditions in different countries but i mean it's really mind-blowing how amazing um this movie is and how great it looks um based on the budget it's it's really unbelievable that's awesome yeah i've heard the same thing um yeah was it nominated for visual I, effects oh that's a good question i know that they were talking about um the possibilities um of it getting one 
but I want to say I, I want to say it didn't end up walking away for it with a nomination. But I let, me, might let me look right. that up real quick. Um, uh, let's see, visual effects. Uh, okay, the nominees. No, it did get it a did? nomination. Okay, good. It did. Yeah, Takashi Yamazaki, as well as Kiyoko Shibuya. Masaki Takahashi and Tatsuji Nojima um, are all nominated for it. Um, oh, nice. I hope it wins. Okay. I mean, I'm, it's up against The Creator. It's up against Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, and then Napoleon. Right. Okay. So, hell, I mean, I, I hope it wins. I, I don't think I've seen any of those other movies, actually, so I guess I can't, yeah, you know, I can't really you know say if the you know if the writing or excuse me if the visual effects of it are are better than the others but it's such um, a hard thing to like that category yeah um yeah it is the visual effects from one genre to another um it might yeah, be the most be like subtle of visual effects swallow. but like in in certain yeah. genres that but the craftsmanship behind them might be you know so i don't know that's a, that's a tough category exactly um, yes. Um, do we want to run through maybe some honorable yeah, mentions definitely. before we we go to awards and sure. stuff? Um, uh, yeah. Do you, you want to well, go? Ha- how about this? How, yeah. How about this? How about you go ahead and do a recap of your top ten? Because I just realized I didn't write any of them down. Oh, <laughs> so, sure. <laughs> you go ahead and recap, and I'll recap mine, and we'll do our honorable. All mentions. right. My top ten. Uh, at number ten, I had Ennis Men. At number nine, I had Thanksgiving. Uh, at number eight was Saw Ten. Number seven was Dark Harvest. Six was Hellhouse Origins, the Carmichael Manor. Five was Evil Dead Rise. Four was Suitable Flesh. Three was Brooklyn Forty Five. Two was When Evil Lurks, and one was Talk to Me. Awesome. Uh, all right, and my number ten was Totally Killer. My number nine was Scream Six. Number eight was Swallowed. Number seven was The Blackening. Number six, When Evil Lurks. Evil Dead Rise was number five. The Passenger was number four talk to me was in the third spot sick was my number two and godzilla minus one was my number one horror movie of the year uh all right hit us with some of those honorable mentions okay yeah um let's see here um i just saw i'm gonna butcher the name again huasera the bone woman is that am i saying it right I, uh, Sarah, Sarah, yeah, I think okay. is, I think is probably correct, but that was another that was like right at the top of my list that I just didn't get a chance to. See oh yeah, um, was it? Did you enjoy it? Was it good? You liked it? I did like it quite a bit. Um, it's a, a really well crafted movie, um, and certainly pretty disturbing subject matter. Um, mm-hmm. It didn't do it for me on a horror level. Um, sure, and it, it, it as good as it is, and it is great. It's a great movie. Um, and 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 if you look up reviews of this movie, people will tell you it's one of the scariest movies they've seen. For um, and I, I can certainly see like again, I would say disturbing rather than scary. Um, mm. But um, you know, teach their own. I'm sure it is scary for a lot of people. It does commit one big sin for me in terms of um, visual effects and and I won't this is something I alluded to earlier um, but I won't I won't say anything since you haven't seen it but um, beyond that one thing um, 
And that's not to say that there aren't great effects in it. I haven't talked about one very specific thing in this movie, but there's other parts of this movie. It's a gorgeous-looking movie. Um, there are some very strong effects. The performances across the board are really, really strong. Um, and uh, totally worth seeing. Um, but I would say it was more of like a disturbing drama um, than, a, than a horror film for me. Um, though there are certainly scary elements. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's an honorable mention. Um Nice. So we talked about me wanting to re-see, rewatch Skinamarink, which I didn't get around to doing. So I, I feel bad because sure, sure. I wasn't, I've talked about it on this podcast when we, um, shortly after it first came out, um, when we were talking to Alex, um, was not crazy about it, but I give it an honorable mention. First of all, if I see it again, I, I feel like it's the kind of movie that I might feel like do a complete 180 on. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Mm. It's, um, speaking of polarizing movies um maybe you have to be in a particular mood um i went in not knowing what to expect at all and, be, and being kind of surprised with what i got um so maybe a second viewing is really but just in terms of um you know like ambition um it's such a experimental and interesting movie to have i think to have gotten the audience i mean even more than ennis man i think skinner rink got a lot of buzz and was it's still being oh, yeah. talked about quite a bit. Um, and I mean, it's just, you know, it's a guy in his house with like no actors, maybe, you know, one person on screen, maybe some voice acting and sound effects from like freesound.org. Um, yeah. It, it's, yeah. Um, just a great, I don't know. I love, I love success stories like that. Like that's, that's great. Yeah, I mean, like, what other genre can you make a $15,000 movie with no actors, using a bunch of free sounds and public domain videos that you're just doing in your house on your yeah. own, basically? Exactly. And I can think of two horror movies that went to theaters and made <laughs> way more money from that, which is Skinamarink and Paranormal, Paranormal Activity. Activity. Like <laughs> so it's like comparison here. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, it's like, I feel like Skinamarink is the type of movie where it's like, I'm going to feel differently about it every time i watch it because it's so going to be based on the mood i'm in when i'm watching it almost you know like it's going to be so dependent on yeah. that but i just love that that horror is a genre where movies like that not only exist but can be like such a big part of the cultural conversation for yeah. this year um same with like the outwaters and same with ennisman right these or that it's or that it's like one of the only genres where three highly experimental movies can come out in the same year and all like do well and be talked about and known. Yeah, that's a I mean, point. Because I mean, because we're not we're not talking about like art specifically art house. I mean, I know you used that phrase earlier, but I mean, there's all kinds of art house dramas that come out, but not oh, sure such highly experimental ones like these. Yes. Like I feel like horror is like the only genre that has that sort of um, uh, box office and monetary value, even in experimental form. I uh, totally because agree. you're just experimenting how new ways to scare people, or or like you know captivate or, or or keep people on the edge of their seat. I guess depending on what their goal is, and if that's coming in a form that isn't this this typical narrative that we're used to seeing it can still be highly effective yeah. and that's that's really impressive and it and even if none of these films were like made by list or i was like a huge fan of them, i just love that they're being made because 
it's just showing the wide breadth of what horror can be yeah i think yeah i i i couldn't agree more with that i um and i am dying to see this movie again because um Mm -hmm. it's it really speaks to how subjective horror is and what scares people and what doesn't um because like i've been reading about it ever since i saw it because i you know it kind of it's such a unique movie that is impossible i think whatever you thought of it not to continue thinking about it for a while um and so the more i read about other people's reactions the more i want to revisit it because i mean there are there are lots of people that i respect saying it's one of the scariest movies they've ever seen because it like plays on childhood fears that they had and stuff and like I, I it just makes I'm getting the feeling that like maybe I was just not in the right space and and need to give it a second chance and it will chill me to the bone. I have no idea. Um, I didn't find it frightening at all yeah. the first time I saw it, but it's Same. like yeah. you know this is why I think sometimes you got to give movies several chances, um, just like any good oh, album. Yeah. Um, so I I yeah. Um, well, I was just gonna say even if it doesn't hasn't connected with you you're still thinking about a year it later and almost. feeling like you need to watch you need to watch it again and revisit yeah. it so in that way like it is really achieving something because you know i think as certainly as i get older and i don't i'd be curious how you feel like the fewer and fewer films i'm like oh i, I gotta watch that yep. again because i gotta like see how i feel and maybe that's just my own you know being tired <laughs> like not having the time or the 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 space in my mind for it but the movies that do still affect me in that way, um, that, there's something special about them, even if I wasn't a huge fan of them, that I'm still thinking about them days, weeks, months yeah, later. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, this is... This is this is for sure a movie that made a really big impression on me, despite not, like... Not... I, I don't even think it came close to my top ten, you know? Um but yeah, I, it yeah. has to get an honorable mention just because I respect the hell out of it. Um, nice. I, I do. I mean, like this. Yeah, like I. And it's one of those things. Same it's here. like, is it experimental because of budget constraints? And this guy was just like, I'm going to make a movie, but I don't have any actors. I don't have any, you know, whatever. And this is the only way I can make it. Um, or was the intention to make something like that experimental and out there? Like I don't know. Um, it's a movie that's going to test a lot of people's patience. Um, and uh just yeah. like Ennisman. um and um yep yeah I, I hope there are more movies like it honestly even though again it, it was not my favorite movie um it's great to see it um absolutely and, and i'll add one more thing which is that i will say like i think the movie is very inspiring to people because it is this one guy made it for whatever it was 15 grand or whatever the number some really small amount of money using freely available assets that other people would also have access to as well in many regards i mean not not everything obviously but you know free you know free music and 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 like public domain video and things like that for instance um so i started advising the film club on campus at the college i work at and i know like there's you know a, a one kid in it who loved it and i think did find it very inspiring so in that sense like it is i think inspiring to a lot of these younger um folks in their like late teens early 20s who were like itching with creative ambition to make something and like seeing something like this 
not only be able to be made, but to, to, to receive like the, a theatrical release and to get such big play like on Shutter and, and just being released as widely as it has and, and being viewed by as many people is really inspiring. So in that regard too, it really deserves to be um, discussed. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, so yeah, that, 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 uh, that's pretty much it. I also put, I put Influencer on there. I really liked Influencer. Um, but it was a movie that I found oh, I didn't get pretty forgettable. Like, not forgettable. It's just, it was, a uh, it's perfect as, at what it sets out to do. And it's, unlike nice. Skinner Rink, not something that you're going to continue thinking about. But, um, it's, gotcha. uh, it's, it's really, it's, a. Uh, it's a really well-constructed movie. Um, so that was a surprise. I didn't have any expectations there. Um, and the last one is um, Malum. Malum? Malum? I think Malum. Yeah. Oh, I watched that too. That's on my list for Honorable Oh, cool. Okay. Well. Yeah. I have not seen yeah. Last Shift, and I know that it's like the same filmmaker remaking yeah. his own movie, and now I'm like, oh, I got to see Last Shift. I like this one a lot. So. Yeah, same here. I haven't seen it either. I just... Um, Clark Wolf is in Malum, and I, and I okay. follow her on Instagram. And she's been involved in a number of like horror stuff and everything, but um, she posted a, a clip of and I, the director and I apologize because I'm blanking on his name. Um, like she's in the middle of the scene, they finish it. He kind of comes in, gives her a note, and then she like plays the scene totally different. And they just show like the behind the scenes, like footage of them doing it and everything. And so I was like, oh, I gotta like put that on my list. That looks really kind of interesting. Um, it's it, it was it was fun this was like dark and like pretty grisly and stuff like it was yeah it was it was it was rough like not rough like bad filming i mean it was just like rough to watch at times because of like how dark it was and 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 everything but yeah it it was it was good i was yes it was super and i like it was a movie that i went i didn't know anything about it i knew that it was like maybe either a remake or whatever of of an older film I did not know that it was an older yeah. film that the same director had made. Didn't know. I didn't even look mm-hmm. up who the director was until after. Um, and as it turns out, like his first film, I think he was like a protege of Clive Barker or something. I can't think of his name either. Um, oh, and cool. uh, his might have been his first movie called Casadega um, was a movie that I actually own it. It's on my shelf somewhere. Um, yeah, oh, it was nice. one of those movies that was like, this is probably in like 2012 or 2013 and like VOD was not something that I was thinking about so i i read about it saw the poster watched the trailer and was like i gotta buy it so i bought it watched it once very forgettable um to see him now like making this um you know uh is is really cool yeah and i i did just look his name up because i felt bad oh. <laughs> so much about him and neither of us could remember his name's anthony DeBossi. DeBossi. Yeah, thank you um and- yeah and so but I also kind of looked up his career. The dude's directed like a lot, ten or twelve I horror movies, and I'm just like, holy! He's like directing like one a yeah. year. I mean, like, like he's like very much like created like this this career making horror movies, and and you know, it's a bummer he's not as well known um, as as we were both trying to remember his name. Um, but yeah, like it's really that was like a really I didn't know what to expect going into Malum because I hadn't seen the last shift either, and. Um, yeah, you. I, I didn't see. I wasn't guessing where it was going, and boy, yeah, it got to some dark, dark territory yeah. for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and and yeah, uh, 
maybe one of the creepier films that I think I saw this year. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Very creepy. It's it's weird because it's like an urban environment, but it's very much a folk horror um, yeah, yeah. movie and, and has the same creepy vibes of a lot of like uh, folk horror. Um, yeah. 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 Good. Uh, yeah. Good pick. Yeah. Well, I, now I, I, I'm, I'm dying to know what you had. Um, I know you said Malum was one of them, but what were the others? Yeah. Well, so. Malum was on there. Um, obviously, Thanksgiving that we talked about right. as well. Same with Suitable Flesh. Um, uh, Skinnamarink on there. I had the Outwaters on there. Um, those are ones we've we've already kind of um, you know briefly discussed. So I'll add uh, a couple other ones. Uh, I watched Infinity Pool. Um, thought it was was good. Not as good as Possessor. Brandon Cronenberg's. Um, other film that I'm, I'm more familiar with. Um, I thought that I really loved Possessor. Um, I think the thing with Infinity Pool, I, I had a kind of question in my mind of like, okay, I get it. What's the point? <laughs> like, 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 I feel as bad, I guess, in a way. But it's like, okay, yeah, super rich people are super awful and treat <laughs> and dehumanize people. But like, what, what's the point you're getting at here? Because it, it just it felt in some ways, I guess, um, to 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 be kind of lacking in that sense, you know. Which it feels. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, I don't want to say negative. I, I hate saying like negative things about people because filmmaking is so difficult in general. But like, it just it felt like yeah, it like kind of lacked a little bit of sort of like purpose, you know. Um, not that it was trying to be like shocking for shocking sake or anything like that, but it just feels like it was a little rudderless at times and uh, could have used with a little bit more cohesion, I guess, but there you go. So, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's got some horror movie staples like Mia Goth in it. <laughs> James, James, <laughs> like the way she says that, that will forever be in my mind. The way that she says, uh, Alexander Skarsgård's character's name, <laughs> um, uh during one specific scene but um yeah so there you go there's infinity pool uh cobweb i don't know if you watched that i did watch it that's Uh, um you did okay yep i i had some issues with it and that's the reason it didn't make my list it's um yeah it's one of those things where it's like super creepy vibes like like the, the the creepiness factor of it some of the jump scares did a really good job with but just story structure supernatural rules of the world issues kind of really came into play for me in this one that kind of really bumped it down a bit for me um and then um oh megan we talked about i had that on my list i don't think i ever mentioned it i had a couple more but i think that the ones i really the two more i really want to mention is there's this um horror movie set at a um truck stop called Candyland that involves um a group of characters who are all you know basically sex workers at this truck stop um that i found pretty good but just not good enough to make the final list um you know the top 10 um did you watch that no one? i haven't seen or that. have you heard of it yes okay all right I, th- I can't remember if it was on tubi or or, or something i forget where what's it's on some service though um, where you can watch it and and that was good but just not quite good enough to to make the cut and then um oh sorry i'm gonna add two more i, yeah, I was gonna uh, say one more but there's gonna be two no one will save you 
which oh, is the Caitlin Dever Hulu one where almost no dialogue is spoken in the whole movie. It's an alien invasion film, but like very much played for horror rather than, um, you know, uh, other genres. Um, the film as a whole was decent. I, I kind of don't really know, think I know what point they're going for <laughs> with the ending. Um, so I definitely have some questions about it. But I think a lot of the elements of it are really great. Like, Caitlin Dever's performance, I think, is fantastic in it. I think she, especially with the, the added difficulty of not being able to speak, pretty much, for the whole movie. Um, you know, it's, 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 you're, it's just, like, silent movie acting, almost, you know? That's cool. Um, and I think she does a really, really great job. And then the last one I want to mention, um, even though I had some others on my list, is Where the Devil Roams. Um, are you familiar no. with this one? Nope. So this is the new one from the Adams family. They made Hellbender last oh, year, yeah, which yeah, made yeah. my top ten. Mm-hmm. And this is this the this filmmaking family of like a mom and dad and daughter who are just making these small horror films together, and it's like really cool that you have like this family um, doing that. This is much more ambitious. I feel like this is like set in like Depression era. And it's oh, wow. it follows them as this like group of traveling carnival workers, um, and so um, they're basically traveling the country with a carnival and then like killing people <laughs> as they do. Um, I liked Hellbender a lot more than this one. Um, I think I, I can respect the film's ambition. I respect that they're trying to go for something different with this film. I love that they're a family that's making horror movies together. I think that's like super cool. That's awesome, yeah. This one, it it just didn't work for me, and um, yeah, I I really wanted to like it more. You know, it's one of those ones where you're like you're kind of bummed that you weren't like into it more than you were. Yeah. Um, I don't. I, I guess I just, and maybe I need to revisit it because maybe I just wasn't in the right frame of mind. Speaking of like movies like Skinner Marine. But I just wasn't – I don't think I was getting it. <laughs> Whatever they were going for, I, I I was not – I was not getting it. And um, I don't I – I do not know what the not, – not to say the specific point. Like it was only one point of a movie. But I guess I just I, – yeah, I really wasn't – I really was not picking up what they were trying to say with the film. And maybe that's a failing on my part um that i that it wasn't registering and i really wasn't picking up on it but um yeah i think i just wanted some i wanted more or something different out of it than than what it was but i think that some people are really into it uh and are and are and are on board it this is also getting a a blu-ray release through ocn distro and vinegar syndrome um so that's like available for pre-order now that was one of the ones that came out the same um went up for for pre-sale on um on february 1st as well oh nice so yeah yeah so uh yeah i I wanted to at least talk about it because speaking of like lower budget horror movies that are getting a lot of great play i think the adams family and what they're doing is awesome uh this one just didn't work for me is all and that's fair and that's fine yeah 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 um awesome all right so that's uh those were our top 10 rankings and our honorable mentions 
Um, and uh, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up with our our awards that uh, we that's have. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So to kick off the awards for uh, our horror categories here for the year 2023, we're going to start with best actor. Uh, this year, we're just going to list our winners instead of going through all of our nominations, by the way. We're going to make it a little bit quicker. Uh, but Nick, we will go to you, sir. Uh, who do you have winning the best actor category? So I'm not going to list nominations, but I do have to, like I said, I have to shout out Judah Lewis because I mentioned him earlier from um, uh, Suitable Flesh. Um nice I, I i just again i think he was perfectly cast and his performance is great i think it's a really fun performance just because he had so much like over the top hilarious stuff to 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 play off of um and he was mm-hmm. essentially playing two different people um three different people really um so he had a lot to do um but ultimately i have to give the award to tobin bell um oh, nice. this is more of like a <laughs> career you know, achievement yeah it is more like a career <laughs> achievement award for tobin bell um I, I don't think the saw series will ever win any awards for anything but um he is he is great in this role as jigsaw and i've read a lot of criticism about how the movies paint him as almost a hero um because mm. he's got this moral code of like oh you know he's 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 not just murdering people. He's trying to teach people lessons, which obviously is bullshit. But I think all of those people are really missing the point. Like, all of the people he's teaching lessons to are such pieces of shit. Like, there's no likable characters in that series, (laughs) right? Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. And so, like, even though his moral code is completely messed up and he is clearly a killer, he's the most likable person in that whole franchise. And, like, he is... Yeah, especially in Saw 10 um, is um, like he's a really fragile character in Saw 10 he's in a terrible place and he's mm. finally given a lot of um, he's finally given the screen time that he deserves to actually like to act um, oh, in Saw nice. 10 I mean like the first the first like 30 40 minutes feels so little like a saw film and so much more like a drama it's like a character drama and i was like it was just such a breath of fresh air um again i i really enjoy the franchise but like he he is the franchise um i mean he's saw um completely and uh and this is the best that he's ever been uh in this series and um and generally a good like i'm not even just saying like for the series he's good like that's a great performance by tobin bell yeah no definitely so has how many of the saw movies does tobin bell appear in i think the only one he doesn't appear in at all is spiral so i so think he's at I least wonder, appeared in nine of them i wonder if he has is the actor who's been in the most movies in a film franchise. Cause the next highest I would imagine is Robert Englund for a nightmare on Elm street where he did the first seven mm. and then Friday and then Freddy versus Jason right. to make eight films, but he wasn't there for the remake, not even in like a cameo or anything. Right. So he's, he's been in eight films. 
So if Tobin Bell has been in nine, is he the actor who's been in the most of his of a most of the most movies in a specific horror franchise? That is a good question. Maybe because you've got people like Donald Pleasance, but I think he was only in the first six. Yeah, he he, Halloween he died. Films I think he passed away. Yeah, after, either yeah. after or before six came out. So yeah, he didn't, and he wasn't in three either. Yeah. Um, so I don't mean really... to take us down this tangent. I just no, it's it occurred to me. It occurred to me as you're talking about uh, him and in, in, in all of these saw films, and and now this is like the first one he's really gotten a chance to act in. Yeah, no, it's um, interesting, and I think part of the reason that, that I think they went back in time and saw ten, um, and, and I was reading, you know, just reading is that like I don't know if it was Lee Winnell who said it, but that like they were. I think it was Lee Winnell who was like, I think my biggest mistake with all the Saw movies, and he only wrote the first three, but he was like, maybe yeah. there was the producers instead. It was like, our biggest mistake was ki- was killing Jigsaw off in Saw 3. Um, yeah. So that he could only <laughs> appear in flashbacks and stuff. And like, so I, I think they went back in time to finally like let Jigsaw shine because he is, he is mm-hmm. the, and, and, and they did, and it's great. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, man, again, I never thought I would give a Saw movie, an award for anything, but Tobin Bell, man, he, he's really good in it. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, How about all you? All right. Okay, yeah. So, <clears throat> this was, um, I mean, speaking of, like, just the differences in these two years, just in the actor and actress category, finding a specific standout performance really felt like a challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to, to find one that I was just like, oh, wow, this, like, is leaps and bounds. Like, we were talking before we even did the podcast, you know, about, like, oh, let's not do nominations. Oh, good, because it, you know, it might be hard to even, like, list nominations, and not just winners. Yeah. And, yeah. like, especially in the acting categories, which is crazy compared to how they were last year for me. Mm. Um, but I, I will say for, for me, my winner is, uh, and I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, and I'm really sorry, it's Ryonosuke Kamiki for uh, Godzilla Minus One. He's the, he's the main character in the film, basically. The former kamikaze pilot who becomes <clears throat> the, uh, you know, one of the, the, the main figures in taking down Godzilla. And this was real tough, because like, I'd say him or like Kyle Gallner in, in The Passenger is like the next like closest. In fact, I thought about giving him a tie. And saying they both win, but in the spirit of uh, of our uh, just naming our winners, I think it'd be better if I just chose one. So there you go, um, Ryanus. Oh, I'm sorry, Ryanusoki Kamiki for Godzilla minus one. <laughs> oh, nice. Is he someone like? I mean, I don't know how much Japanese cinema you watch, but like, do you recognize him? Is he in anything else that I would know? I have never seen him before, and I haven't looked him up enough to know like kind of what else he's been in or anything. So, um, I don't know. I'm sorry. No, I, I, he, he very possibly could be. Yeah, I just yeah. I'm curious. Like he, uh, what was his name again? <laughs> sorry to make you say it again. <laughs> I'm. I'll look it up. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, Ryun Osuki Kamiki. R Y U N O S U K E. And then Kamiki, K-A-M-I-K-I. I'll, I'll, um, I'll look him up after this. I'm, I'm wondering yeah, if I've seen him in I, anything. If you look up, if you just pull up, yeah, Godzilla minus one on like IMDb or Wiki, he'll be like the main actor who, yeah. who comes up for you. Yeah, um, I'm curious. All right. Yeah. 
But he's great in it. I mean, in in the same way as you're talking about Tobin Bell. I mean, there's aspects of the movie that are very much just like a, a drama and, and a familial drama, but it's like a family that you make kind of like um, story in a way. And uh, yeah, I mean, he gives a. I mean, there's there's a lot of good performances in that movie, but yeah, he's the main character of the film, which is kind of why I, you know, chose him specifically because he has to carry so much of that film on his shoulders. And, um, yeah, really phenomenal. Uh, you know, you buy everything that he's doing in every aspect of the movie. Being a cowardly kamikaze pilot, yes. Being an angry, angry post-traumatic, you know, stress disorder uh, after the war and dealing with those issues, yeah, absolutely. You know, like, you just you 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 he he did a great job really um really really kind of brought that movie home i think and uh yeah there you go kamiki nice oh man uh, yeah godzilla minus one i just see that movie nice yeah um what about you what about best actress sir uh for best actress i went with um Natalia Solian from Husera the Bone Woman. She's nice. the lead in that movie and she um turns in a really incredible performance with uh, just cool. I mean it's a tough role and a lot is demanded of her in that role. Um yeah. a lot like both physically and um emotionally in that performance and and she does a really remarkable job. Um so, yeah, like I said, it's not a scary movie for me, but um, it's such a well-crafted movie, and I think it's really all centered around her performance. And, like, again, make or break, that movie could have been terrible with the wrong actress, and she is just incredible. Oh, that's great. So. This is going to be interesting, because that was on your honorable mention list, right? Yep. It was. My my actress winner is also from mine. Really? <laughs> this is like so so no i mean it just i know i I, yeah this so i just talked about the acting categories and like being such a stark contrast to last year but none more so than best actress i mean when my list from last year not only did i have five super strong nominees i listed two others and honorable mentions (laughs) because i was like i have to shout these out they were also such good best actress like uh nominees and yet this year, I, That's... my best actress is from one of my honorable mentions. And it's like finding, it was so weird not having like, like standout performances in some of these. It's, it's, it's wild, man. I totally uh, agree. But anyway, but yeah, mine is, uh, mine, I'm going to go with Caitlin Dever from No One Will Save You. I think she's the best part of that movie. Her performance is unbelievable. And again, like the whole movie is on her shoulders, basically. And she has the added difficulty of not being able to talk um, throughout the whole movie because it's essentially a silent movie. Um, So, yeah, I I, I think that's like a real like level of difficulty that you don't see and that if it isn't done well is it's going to tank the whole movie. And I think, I mean, I have my issues with the movie. I have my problems with it, but none of it is her. And I think the fact that it works as well as it does is a big credit to Caitlin Dever, uh, and her acting in the film. So that that's for her, for me. I mean, the, the next one I had is Alyssa Sutherland from evil dead rise. That that would have been a a pot, my next possibility, Mm -hmm. but 
boy, does that really speak to just, you know, the, the, the lack of like prominent, like female roles in horror this year, maybe, or, or just like the lack of like standout performances. I don't know. It's, it was odd. It's weird for me. Yeah. I ha- did I have, I, I thought, I think Sophie Wilde is her name from talk to me. was good. Um, yeah, I thought she was good too, but, but not, yeah, not award worthy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, Anne Ramsey in, uh, Brooklyn 45 is really good. Really good. Oh, gotcha. Just, yeah. Um, she could have won this, but, um, yeah, otherwise, yeah, it was not the actors. I had just had those two. I guess I could have put Larry Fessenden on there. He's more of a supporting role, but, um, he is great yeah. in Brooklyn 45 too, but yeah, it's a weird year. Well, yeah. And the thing is, I mean, we only have best actor and best actress, so they can be supporting if right. you want. It could really be, just be like whichever, but, um, yeah, it's just, it is like an odd, like the dichotomy here. It was a like real feast last year and like yeah. very famine this year. It feels like. Yeah. 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 It was a In tough year to, to choose anything yeah. for. Um, yeah, I agree. All right. Uh, best writing, sir. Best writing. Uh, Ted again, don't know his name. Gio Gian, uh, Brooklyn 45. Gotcha. Um, nice. Yeah. That, that was a pretty easy choice. I think for me. Nice. Yeah, mine was pretty easy too. It's um, Takashi Yamazaki for Godzilla minus one. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, there's some, you know, plays into the classic like tropes in some ways where it's like okay, but like it works so well. You know, the fact that the fact that I had tears in my eyes multiple say, times during this movie, like, that it's seems... just, you know, it's hard not to, you know, for it's hard not to give it to him for that. So, oh, for sure. Go. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah uh best director sir oh somehow i missed best director Uh oh um, do you want do you want me to go will you think sure yeah maybe that would be, okay yeah all right so the, actually one of the reasons i also gave best writing i'll say as i'm talking about director to takashi yamazaki is because i did not give him best director and that's because i'm gonna give and maybe this is i don't know if this is a cheat uh, who knows but I'm going to give it to Carter Smith for having two films Ooh. in my top 10 this year in Swallowed and The Passenger. So for both of those films, I'm giving Best Director to Carter Smith. And and even more so because of the fact that, you know, it's been like nine years since he had made a feature film, it seemed wild. like. So to have the two come out this year and both be pretty darn good is, is amazing. So... Um, there you go. Carter Smith is my best director. Nice. Okay. Nice. No, that's a great reason to give him. Yeah. Um, who would I pick? I don't know. Um, Ooh. I'm going to, I'm just going to go with that with Ted last name. I can't pronounce again. Um, for Brooklyn <laughs> 45, I think, uh, nice. I think he does a, a you know, well, he wrote it too um so obviously it was like material that he he cared about but he does so much with so so little in terms of um again just locations and and um it's just all about the performances um yeah and the performances across the board are are really strong um so uh yeah I, i think i would give it to him awesome all right well i'm gonna throw it right back to you then for scariest horror film and and we choose scariest here because we just ranked our movie, so you know what we think the best horror film is. So for scariest horror film, what do you have there, Nick? Um, 
this was a, not a very scary year for me. I wish there was I agree. more. I there, nothing really freaked me out. So I the, the two creepiest movies for me were Hell House Origins and Talk to Me. Um, mm. I'm just gonna go with Talk to Me because it's it's the highest on my list of um, sure. You know, and I, I think um, yeah, it, it was it certainly had a lot of um, uh, really unsettling moments, and I think. It's as close as I can come to, to genuinely scary this year out of anything I've seen. So Nice. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. I, I think that's a great, great reason for it. Um, I'm going to go with, and this is for the film as a whole, I'm going to go with Evil Dead Rise. Nice. Uh, I think that it sustained a level of like scares and um scary elements throughout in a way better than say when evil lurks does i think there's better scary moments than when evil lurks yeah and we might get to that in a minute actually um but in terms of like sustaining that over a feature film I- i'd have to give it to, to evil dead rise and i will also say watching it in the dark in my basement with my surround sound Ooh, yeah the, the the creepy like sound editing and stuff that they did like really helped with that um, you know, cause I'm, you know, I'm hearing, you know, like, you know, all around me. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah. So that really, that, that really, I think, um, added to that effect and the, and the scares for, for evil that rise. So, um, that's what I'm going to, going to choose. That's great. That's a great sound design and horror. Is so important. So, oh yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's like <laughs> that and music are like, <laughs> yeah, biggest two songs. huge things. Yeah. yeah, no, that's great. That's a good choice. Yeah, the tension level in that movie is is so sustained. Um, yeah, yeah, and I agree with you too. When Evil Lurks had like could have, but the lulls in When Evil Lurks, I think, as you said, detract just enough. Yeah, yeah. But speaking of scariest scenes, yes. What do you have for a scariest scene, Nick? Um. There's a scene in Hell House Origins that I, I I would talk about, but because you haven't seen it, and also because I I, I think, um, I I don't want to like talk about the details. Um, I know this is like a spoiler rich part of our of our yeah, podcast, yeah. but I am gonna go. I think even with Hell House Origins being on the table, I think I'm gonna go with When Evil Lurks, the scene in the car as he drives by, oh. the woman. She's like kind of out of focus out the window, but you know what she's doing. Um, yeah, that yeah. was v- really upsetting. <laughs> um, I gotta say, <laughs> yeah, no, it is. That's very that's interesting because I'm gonna go when evil lurks as well, but I'm gonna go for when uh, Jimena murders her husband Ruiz for shooting the sheep Ooh. and letting the demon out, yep. and then takes the axe to herself and literally starts axing her own face because that she'd a- rather die. <laughs> than have the demon possess either of them that is yeah that's like the poster shot which is yeah a, exactly such a strong yeah, image yeah, yeah. that they put it on the poster so yeah that's a really good <laughs> yes. point no but that but, but that scene is great too but i think it yeah it very much goes to the idea that like th- there's a really strong scares in it yeah but they're kind of like you know there's a there's a long periods in between and they, it doesn't sustain that scares the whole way through yeah um yeah but uh, but it's nice that when evil lurks got both of our scariest scenes, yeah. just different ones. <laughs> no, that actually feels right. That feels good. <laughs> nice. 
what about best kill? Um, sorry, I'm doing like two for everything, but um, this is another one. No, that's all right. I get. I got to do an honorable mention for the uh, the dumpster in Thanksgiving, um, the early uh, one with the car. Uh, yeah, that was that was that was creative. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and that movie doesn't. I mean, it has some like, but as, as slashers go, I mean, he's got like one weapon of choice, and and you know, it's it's not like that isn't a movie. I don't think that is based around its kills as as much as a lot of slasher films. But that first one was was really standout um yeah I, I gotta give it this is kind of a cop-out because it's not technically a kill um it should be and it kind of is um and i don't want to ruin the whole film so but in suitable flesh um i think it's the the best shot of the whole entire year of any horror movie is um when heather graham is running over judah lewis's character in her car and pins him against a brick wall, and then there's a shot where she just repeatedly drives into him, but the shot is of her facing forward out the front of her car, and she's reversing into him, and all you see is her mm. face looking out the w- rear windshield, but you see what's happening in the reverse camera on the dashboard. Um, it's yeah. just so freaking clever. Um, I, I Just for the, the that shot alone... Um, even if the kill is like people have been hit by cars in movies plenty of times, but the way they did this was a whole added layer of like, yeah, I got to give it to that. I think that was the most creative use of um, cinematography, I think, in horror for me the whole year. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great kill. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> that's awesome. Um now I feel kind of boring, but <laughs> mine is just the same. I just wrote same as above for my scariest scene. Ooh, oh, that's good. Um, when when Jimena kills her husband and then herself with the axe, I just, I mean, it's it's very jarring in the movie in that moment. I mean, like, you know, the build up to it is they're they're so full of fear and you get it, um, but yeah, it's just it just it it comes out of nowhere. Still, it's just such a inexplicable thing you know for people who are so scared about wanting to live to just immediately be like well fuck this like i'm killing my husband and then myself with this axe is just yeah it's it's wild so that is a perfect example of um again why that movie is so shocking because that scene again is not only is it on the poster but it is it is all over the trailer I mean the trailer yeah. it's like it's such a big part of the marketing for that movie that mm-hmm. um even like expecting that in a, in like like you don't know exactly what's going to happen having seen the trailer and the poster but uh you know something is happening uh during this sequence mm-hmm. and you're waiting for it and it still feels unexpected um yes yeah that's a great choice um that is probably the most well, yours effective is great too. well yeah, it was kind of a cop out. I mean, I it, no. mine is creative. I think the best kill probably. I think you're right. There's something so the brutality of that scene. Yes. And I'm not talking about like gore effects or anything. It's just the idea of turning an axe on yourself that quickly is pretty. Yeah. Pretty crazy. And, and again, we're in spoiler territory, but like multiple times because yeah. <laughs> it's not one quick and easy hit no <laughs> it's brutal but i guess it's really just like 
I mean, like, best kill can be, like, any flavor you want, you know? Like, mine, it's the one that stuck with me the most, mm-hmm. and it's it's a very jarring. But like you said, yours is very creative, right? And sometimes that speaks to you in a way more so than a jarring uh, one does. So, okay, that's yeah, fair. you know, it's however you want to look at it, right? Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh, what about best villain? What did, what did you have? Um... This is kind of, I feel like I'm just well-trodden territory since I talked about it for best actor, but Tobin Bell in Saw 10, nice. um, who's like really not a villain. There is a, there's another villain in the film. Um, mm. But again, all the other characters in all the Saw movies are so shitty and, and Tobin Bell is, is so captivating uh, as Jigsaw that um, uh, more of a, again, another like sort of honorable mention for a series that has been going on for so long. I think yeah 10 movies in he's earned it best villain yeah that's a good choice is the other villain in saw x the healthcare system uh oh so there's like oh, i guess there's two other villains um oh yes okay. the healthcare system very much so <laughs> but no that is no, a good sorry. point i mean absolutely you're right <laughs> uh well that's such a better choice than mine i mean like this is another this is a really tough category for me this year best villain I, I i will be honest like i i i, I this was the hardest one to actually like choose uh, make a choice for because it was just like there were no huge standout villains to me this year and at granted i didn't see saw x so yours has a much more gravitas being <laughs> tobin bell and then the 10th film in their franchise you know like <laughs> really uh really hitting home i mean you know, I could have said like, you know, the Deadites, I guess, and Evil Dead Rise or, or whatever. Or I could have said the Pilgrim in Thanksgiving. But honestly, I just went to the Masked Killer in Sick. And I don't want to say more. I know this is a spoiler rich territory, so I don't want to say more <laughs> <laughs> or add any letters to that. But uh, yeah, it was just like, it was one of the one of those times watching where I'm just like, god like yeah like who is this why are they doing this and then like certain things happen and you're like oh shit you know <laughs> where you're like oh god maybe i don't know what do you think should go I, for should it I yeah say I wanna, anything yeah here? okay absolutely so i'm gonna say things if you don't want to hear anything about sick just skip ahead 30 seconds i'll be dead in that okay <laughs> i could have called this masked killers plural with an s at the end right because there's a very there's a really like shocking scene where one of the girls thinks she finally like has gotten the killer he's on the ground she's beating him and he's kind of like knocked out and then the door opens and there's another killer with the exact same mask on who walks in and he's just like oh you know awesome like what is going on so in the vein of like um you know the first scream right there's like two killers right and then you know you give you more is even revealed in the third act so it's weird to pick that as my villain though when it doesn't even have a name it's not like jason or freddy or like whatever it's just the masked killer in sick no i <laughs> so, like that that's good um i don't know no why I, not i think uh, that's, that's that's it feels boring it feels boring and unimaginative but it's just weird because like sick like works so well so it's just weird that saying the the villain in it you know feels boring i don't know uh, no, I think that makes that makes perfect sense. Also, so many of the movies on my list and this year were supernatural, and 
There was not a single. Yeah. You can't. You know. What are you gonna say? The demon from when evil lurks. I mean, exactly. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, you... it's weird in supernatural films to pick the villain. Yeah, it makes it tough. And yeah, it's not. It wasn't a slasher rich year. I don't think that the Pilgrim and Thanksgiving no. was worthy of it. No, same here. I mean, it, that, that was up there, but yeah, it just it didn't it wasn't didn't feel right to pick the Pilgrim. No, I I agree. Uh, yeah. It's a cool mask, and like you said, the Who Done It in Thanksgiving is fun. I didn't personally yeah. love the reveal that much. Um, I didn't either, and I think that was one of the reasons that I really avoided picking. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I think P- picking that killer. I, I didn't say a gender. What are you talking about? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, good save. <laughs> yeah, they'll never suspect a thing. <laughs> uh, okay, so we only have two more awards, um, and that is uh, best practical effects. That's our next one before we give out our lifetime uh, horror achievement award. But uh, what do you got for best practical effects, Nick? Um, I put when evil lurks, but honestly, I can't remember. I, I, I think beyond the makeup effects, I can't remember any like, but the makeup was so the makeup was really crazy good. that I'm just going to go with yeah. when evil lurks, especially that first demon entity. Like, yeah. like, that, that just as you, as you described, uh, truly disgusting um yeah just like such a oh god yeah really strong makeup effects yeah awesome makeup effects this would have been my honorable mention this year like um i had it on my list you know up there with the one i ended up picking and i think i went with the one i chose simply because i think the quantity of special effects is higher so there's maybe a little bit more of a degree of difficulty considering the fact that um it also both has like really good special effects but also there's just so much of it throughout the film um whereas when evil you know when evil lurks is a bit more spaced out yeah. right you've got like that demon at the beginning you've got the kill scenes and then it's just there's not as much of it throughout so that's true i i gave it to evil dead rise and um, I guess I should shout out special effects supervisor is Brendan Dury on that film. Um, just because they had like so much going on in terms of special effects that's for that one. Really good point. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't but think, I think that's that. great. I think it's great that you, you picked the quality and then I picked the quantity and now both of them have won. Oh, that's good. That's, yeah, that is fair. I think it was quality in evil dead rise too, though. I don't think it's just quantity at all. I think Oh yeah, it's, I mean yeah, I mean they wouldn't have you know they, they wouldn't have been chosen if they weren't great work. But I, you know, they're both great. It's just a matter of like one had way more than the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, no, that's a great thing. <laughs> All right, sir. Last last award of the evening, um, and that's where we give out our lifetime horror achievement. Who are you giving your award to this year? Um. So I, I was trying to think of, of movies that came out this year and people involved with them. So, I mean, I don't know if that... A Lifetime Achievement Award, I know, as we talked about before we started recording, doesn't necessarily have to mean that. But that's kind of where yeah. my head went. Um, and so of the films that came out this year, I narrowed it down to three names. I haven't picked one. Um, oh. I'm going to just pick one now. Oh, I was going to say, do you want me to vamp while you decide? Oh, no, if you watch it, I know, I'll, I'll just, it's only three. I'm going to go with, um, 
I'm going to go with Larry Fessenden. I've talked about him quite nice. a bit. Um, I, I he, He's... I, I think I'm picking him, and, and I hope his career is not nearly over. Um, but it has been yeah. long enough, and he's made enough contributions. He has made contributions both behind and in front of the camera, because he is a character actor, um, mm-hmm. as well as a horror director and editor and cinematographer. I mean, he does it all. He's... Um, yeah. Uh, and, and a huge face in, in indie horror, but um, he really turns in a pretty awesome performance in Brooklyn 45. Like, um, nice. yeah, it's uh, it's funny. I, I, I don't want to give anything away, but like the role he has is a role that probably could have been played by like anyone. And I just love that they gave it to Larry so much. And he like, he really kills it. Um, and he's given more than any other movie I've seen him in where he's, you know, he's got a bit part and he's got a line here or there. Um, he's given so much to do. He's got like a really long monologue and it's just, it's so cool to see him like really perform. Um, but you know, obviously this is not a single movie category. This is a lifetime achievement. Um, yeah, but I think just that kind of pushed him over the top for me this year. And I, I think he has, uh, really a, an incredible career. He's made a, a big, a big impact on the genre. Um, and so, yeah, yeah Larry Fessenden. Nice. I'm seeing, this is so interesting. I'm looking at his, uh, so was the movie, well, obviously he's in Brooklyn 45, which was on your list, but apparently he directed a movie that came out in 2023 called Blackout. Yes. I don't know if it's available about it. yet. Um, yeah, it seems like it's not. I've been wanting to see it, um, but I, I, he's, Glass Eye Picks is his production outfit. Um, yeah, I follow them on Instagram, and, and they were posting a lot about it, um, mm. leading up to maybe its festival debut. And I feel like I haven't heard anything since then. So, okay. Um, but yeah, I, I would love to see it. Yeah, yeah, that's his new his new film. His son also directs movies nice. now, and I haven't seen anything oh, by him. Cool. So, uh, nice. yeah. Well, I mean, Larry's only sixty, so I hope he still has a long career. Uh, oh good yeah a lot of a lot of a lot of uh movies ahead of him so yeah that's awesome great pick. cool thanks yeah and how about you yeah yeah so um this is my first posthumous okay uh award to give out so like last year uh you know i think i gave it to uh, tony todd uh and you had given it to nev campbell and then also to Michael Myers <laughs> yeah. uh, as, as the fictional character, right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, all great choices. I think this is the first of either of our posthumous ones since Larry obviously is still around. Um, and I'm going to give it to um, Wes Craven. Mm. You know, There's a lot of, a lot of great horror directors I can give it to. And I was kind of up in the air on a few. Um, but I, I think Wes is, Wes is the guy, uh, you know, I mean, he's been involved in, you know, a couple of huge franchises, a couple smaller ones, and then some amazing standalone horror films, uh, on their own. And he's also a guy who just like really stuck with the genre, even as he got bigger and bigger, you know, and it, you know, it's, it's nice when you have directors who really love the genre and love working in it because so many times it feels like, you know, directors use it as a means to an end. Yeah. You know, they make their first film because they're cheap Mm -hmm. and easy to get funding for. And then that becomes a calling card for them to move into, you know, any other genres or more serious, quote unquote, movies or at least movies that get more respect from 
other people, I guess. Uh, and it's nice to see directors like him and John Carpenter and, you know, Romero, you name it, who have just like stayed within the genre and continue to make horror films because that's what they love to do. And, uh, yeah, Wes was a real one in that regard. And, and that's why I'm going to give it to him. That's yeah, that's perfect. I love that. He's, um, yeah. Yeah. And he's someone who like everyone who has worked with him speaks so highly of, um, Mm -hmm. like as a, as a person and as a filmmaker. Yeah. But, um, you don't always hear that in the, in, in the filmmaking business. You don't always hear like some of the most talented directors, um yeah you, you that that's so i think just yeah it's it's like i had um as you mentioned uh wes i was thinking one of my other choices would have been sam raimi um again yeah. just as a producer of evil dead rise or whatever just because he to your point started in the genre um and he's like left it but never really left it i mean he's yeah he's had opportunities to do some really serious stuff and some really big blockbusters but um, whether it's like by returning behind the camera with Ash vs. Evil Dead, the first episode, or Drag Me to Hell, or just like making ghost house pictures and producing other people's yeah. work, I think um, mm-hmm. he's really stuck around. So, like, I give him lots of credit. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully, you know, if we're doing these years and years down the road, we'll have a chance to give every one of these yes. <laughs> directors a lifetime achievement award. No, definitely. But I feel like. <laughs> Wes is a great choice any year, but also this year. I'm just like, who knows what's going to happen with the Scream franchise now? So like, you know, yeah. we had we had maybe the last Scream movie, probably for at least a long time uh, this year. So maybe it's nice to nice to honor Wes. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know, I, I, Scream is probably my favorite horror franchise. I, I think it's certainly the best horror franchise in terms of just like quality and we we talked about that a bunch on this yeah i would agree yeah just for for sustained quality throughout the series it's it's hard to do better than scream especially for a franchise that's been out for six movies um you know are there certain well i was gonna say are there certain friday the 13th movies i like more and then i was like well do I like my favorite (laughs) friday the 13th movie more than i like the first scream and i actually don't think that's the case um so, <laughs> so anyway yeah it's it yeah it is it is a little fitting i think too it wasn't intentional but i you're right it is fairly fitting considering the future of that franchise is so up in the air right now yeah we'll see i'm sure it'll return i'm there's there's money yeah. to be made so but yeah yeah it sounds like they're courting nev campbell yes last year's lifetime achievement award winner really hard right now good which she yeah, and and hopefully she holds their feet to the fire and makes them pay up like they didn't do last yeah, time. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, this has been a very fun episode, Nick. I like doing these best of the year, uh, even though it's probably the most homework we give ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> and we're and we're getting it to people in mid February. Uh, you know when most people are able to do it at like the end of December, early January, but you know this isn't our job no <laughs> we have busy jobs and busy lives <laughs> we get to as much as we can yeah we also don't get screeners for these movies or like access to film festivals no no so we're renting like, these yeah it's us renting these and putting our money towards <laughs> it so anyway oh. yeah this was uh this was fun this is a an interesting year in horror yeah not bad 
it's just a lot like in the middle. I no, feel, like. far from bad. And, but um, yeah, no standouts. No, yeah, but outside of yeah, I mean, yeah, Godzilla minus one was definitely at the top. Which again, I know some people would say is not horror. <laughs> uh, and then I think you know, sick and talk to me were like strong up there in that top three. And then it was a lot of a lot of in the middle after that you know it was tough to kind of rank these yeah yeah but i will say that even the worst horror film that i saw this year wasn't genuinely bad um yeah i'm sure there were lots of terrible movies to come out this year but i um some of the ones that didn't even make my honorable mentions list um like even the the worst one uh that i saw this year like i I would probably say like the boogeyman I wasn't crazy about, but it wasn't yeah. a bad movie. Um, and it was better than it had any right to be adapting like a short, a very, very short Stephen King story, um, yes. into a film. Uh, and it's been adapted. I mean, it, there is a short film of the boogeyman already. Um, mm-hmm. and so I was like, where, yeah, I, I, that, that was one that I had very low hopes for. And I was like, okay, yeah, it was actually a really competently made yeah. movie. I had no problems with it, but like, if that's the worst yeah. that I can say, it, it, it obviously was not a terrible year. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that was, I don't know if I'd rank that lower than I saw, um, insidious the red door or insidious behind the red door and that it, that one just no offense to patrick wilson who i think directed he did. it that one just did not work for okay. me um and i know it it worked for other people it just, it just didn't work for me and i also haven't seen the other insidious films i think besides the first okay, one okay yeah and that was ages ago so maybe i'm missing out on lore and stuff but even that one had good jump scares i think really effective jump oh, scares yeah which is something I could a positive thing I could say about it and it's very competently made and it looks really good. Yeah. Um and and performance wise I think they're they're not bad. I just think overall you know, it just didn't gel. Um and the boogeyman is in that vein although with the boogeyman I had more issues with the writing than yeah. anything. I'm just like this daughter is scared of the dark. Why is she playing the video games with no I know, lights I know. on this house? Why is this house constantly so dark? Like, it's just... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, anyway. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, none of them were bad. I agree. Like, like there, there have been really bad horror movies that have been made, but I, I didn't see any that were truly horrible this year. No. So, yeah. No, I can't think of anything. So, yeah, no. Uh, interesting year, and... Uh... Yeah, be curious to see uh, or hear what other people think. I mean, there were definitely some omissions, yeah. some glaring holes in my uh, in what I was able to see this year. So I don't know um, if anyone hears this. You know, if you're listening and feel like chiming in, you know, we're available on social media or email us. Let me know. Let us know what, what yeah. your favorites were this year. Yeah, shoot us an email to horrordraftspod at gmail dot com. Or uh, message us on Instagram. Uh, I think we're on Threads. I, I almost never look on there though, Nick. Uh, so <laughs> I didn't even know that we yeah. were. So yeah, cool. Okay. Yeah, I think it was. They had it real easy where you could just create a Threads account from your Instagram, yeah. and that's what. No, that doing. makes okay. Cool. <laughs> well, yeah. But yeah, if if I I am curious to hear if people 
excuse me think as well so yeah please shoot us an email or reach out to us in uh instagram to let us know your your favorites of the year uh and your thoughts about the year in general um because i'd be curious maybe maybe you and i nick are just way off base with this year and yeah no i i yeah come <laughs> uh, tell us why we're wrong yeah tell us why we're wrong there you go <laughs> all right well i think that's gonna wrap up this episode of the horror drafts podcast nick um uh, anything else you want to say to the folks before we before we wrap it up um not that i can think of no i think that we All covered right. we covered a lot yeah awesome uh i'll say uh if you haven't already although i imagine most people who are listening to this um probably already have um my documentary which nick did the amazing titles for uh and a bunch of uh help on editing wise is uh available now at vinegarsyndrome.com so you can find the documentary everything to entertain you the story of video headquarters there that recently went up for pre-order on february 1st so um please you know if you're interested in supporting the film it'd be great if you purchased a copy and i want to thank everybody who already has purchased a copy and has supported the documentary uh both in blu-ray form uh on vhs form who's come to see it at a film festival who's talked about it or who has reviewed it online like on letterboxd um i really appreciate it and it's been a really uh wonderful uh humbling and amazing experience um getting to share it with people so uh thank you to everyone who has um who has supported it so far nice yeah yeah I did. awesome i'm glad i'm <laughs> I wanted to shout out the doc, but I noticed that when you were talking about um, the Adams family and you mentioned like, oh, that was released on the same day, I I, I felt like you specifically didn't mention it. So I was like, I'll, I'll just, oh. I shouldn't say anything. I'll just, but yeah. No, I was like, well, I, I should save it to the end. I think no, that was, was good. Good, good call. Yeah, but yes, yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to, anyway. yeah, absolutely wanted to shout it out and say just like, since our last podcast, it's been released on two formats. Um, yes. Which is very cool. <laughs> That's a good point. That's how long it's been since our... <laughs> and speaking of movies that are going to have weird release years, I mean, I guess mine technically got a distribution release in 2023 it in December. Did. That's on VHS. That's true. Yeah. But I... And and it, it has 2023 on it because that's when it went to festivals. But, you know, it hasn't gone streaming yet or VOD and it will be out on blu-ray in march so i don't know this is this that's a tough my one. own movie my own movie is like a weird straddling of two years uh film. that's hilarious you're right yeah i don't know i don't know what to call it um yeah that, that's great um yeah you uh i'm glad you shouted out but yeah like i don't know um if uh if we're done recording or if you tack this on but yeah. everyone should should go out and check that movie out um it's it's really it's really phenomenal and i think anyone who's actually like listening to this podcast is obviously interested in especially this podcast because the horror films um the feeling of of, of browsing a video store and looking at the the horror covers i think is probably something mm -hmm. that anyone listening to this podcast uh remembers fondly um and if, if that's the kind of nostalgia you have um watch this movie because it's full of it's i mean it's all about that that's what the film is about yeah absolutely and um 
it's it's been nice going to festivals where people didn't know video headquarters because yeah the response has been like well while it's a very like local story it does have that universal appeal because everybody had their own video store that they went to and like you know got to check out and everything and so this kind of brings home that nostalgia for your own video store even if you didn't know video headquarters specifically which is and and honestly especially in this day and age of streamers just like getting rid of material Mm. (laughs) like the nostalgia of being able to have everything available even if it was at a brick and mortar place you know which we which has almost you know gone away now although there are some amazing video stores that do still exist and that are still kind of keeping it alive which is which is great yeah yeah definitely yeah yeah awesome well yeah let's uh let's get out of here that's enough talking about (laughs) the talk so uh we'll we'll finish up thank you so much nick as uh, very kind words of you to say i appreciate that of course and thank you to everybody who who listened to this episode and uh and uh we'll we'll catch you next time we'll see who knows what it'll be and or or when it will be yeah but it'll be exciting we've got exciting episodes upcoming can't tell you what they are but they're gonna be so they're gonna be so good and so they are. they're gonna be huge we got big names maybe <laughs> joining us who knows so many big and big and yeah big in the horror world definitely absolutely and 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 you know that's the exciting thing about uh just following our podcast and whatever uh, you know apple or, or whatever podcast app you use is you never know when a new one's going to come. We don't, we don't stick to this once a week schedule that's so many pod. How how obvious, exactly. right? Sp- talking about a jump scare, you open up your podcast app and oh, oh my side, there's a new horror draft? Amazing. There you go. We're, we're your own personal horror podcast version of a jump scare. It's true. So, I follow us. So just- I follow us on every social platform because I, I am just as eager to find out who is going to guest on our podcast next as anyone else is because i have no idea exactly uh so all you got to do folks is just do that and and the new episodes will come when they come and you'll get a surprise and shock every time (laughs) (laughs) All all right thanks folks for listening and we'll uh we'll see you next time The song you heard in this episode is You Are a Monster by Monroeville Music Center. It's being used under a CCBY Creative Commons license and was accessed from freemusicarchive.org. If you'd like to hear more of Monroeville Music Center, you can find them on Bandcamp, their Facebook page, YouTube, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, Discogs, iHeartRadio, and Deezer. And hey, if you want to reach out and communicate with us, please send an email to horrordraftspod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at horrordrafts, all one word. We'd love to hear any questions you have for us, suggestions for topics to draft, or ideas for guests, especially if you can put us in touch with them. Thanks everyone, and we hope to hear from you soon.